Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 168. And this week, we are sitting down with my longtime friend. We go all the way back to elementary school. The man, the myth, the legend, Jason Tank Ramirez of El Jefe's Tacos and More. Uh, he joins us for a great interview this week. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick. We're going to talk about Nike. We're going to talk about Burt Reynolds. Uh, a little week in review. History lessons are back. Uh, all sorts of things. Oh, and plus, uh, we're going to talk about one of our guests who made it to the big time of podcasting. All that and more this week, episode 168 of the Uticast. As always, we are happy to have you here. Oh, yes. Back, folks, to the Uticast, episode 168. I am your host and producer, Sam Famolaro. Joined as always, Kevin Sullivan, to my right, made an excellent fire in the fireplace. Uh, yeah, it's burning. It's too cold out. Fall is here. <laughs> Fall is here. We got caught off guard. Like, the heat wasn't on. All the windows are open. I, yep. like, I woke up today. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was, like, raining. I'm like, I'm like Damn, I walked out of the room in, like, shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm just like, oh, no, this, this can't do. So I had to get some wood. Um, get some fire going. It's time, even though it's going to be 80 later this week. I made a joke last week to one of my kids. I was like, yeah, enjoy it now. It's going to snow next week. And I was like, oh, it really could snow today. It wouldn't totally Mm -hmm. surprise me. Not in New York. I mean, I don't think it was that far. I mean. Where I was, it was cold this weekend. Where were you this weekend? I hiked three high peaks. High peaks this weekend. Again, 15 miles. Is that why you were not here last week? No. No. (laughs) Well, you bailed out on vacation. You didn't tell anyone. I totally was like... I messed up my days. That sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> no, that happens a lot when I get on. If I'm not like on a work schedule, like when it's the summertime and I'm not on like a hard teacher schedule, I really do like forget like what I days. I totally of the week lost it is. what day it was. I didn't even know. That's why I look at like someone like Justin Parkinson, a freelance guy. Like I feel like if I didn't look at the calendar, I might lose what day of the week it was. Depending. Yeah. I feel yeah. like if Kaz didn't have a schedule, I would forget what days it was too. Mm. Uh, so you're back. I am. And now that you're back, I feel like it's important that I, uh, hit you up with some, something you said on Twitter, no. like I always do. <laughs> uh, no, I just know, because Nobody I, cares. No, you had one tweet that was basically, like, you were looking at local restaurant inspections. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing you could just look up online. You like, can. I, I never, yeah. I'm sure oh, you yeah. can, I just don't never thought it. to look it up. Don't mm-hmm. do it. That's all I can say to you, just don't do it. Your favorite places will really let you down. <laughs> or if you have worked in a restaurant, you already know. Yeah. You know what's it's in true. there. You know what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah, it's if true. You've worked, if you've ever worked in any restaurant, bar, food service place, you already know what happens. I couldn't sleep, and I started pulling them all up, and my husband's trying to sleep, and I'm like, wait, you got to hear this one. This is gross. <laughs> so disgusting. We're never so eating there again. put somebody on blast. What was the yeah, worst you one you heard? No, I can't. Tell me about some Tell places. us. Come on. It's yeah, public, it's public information. No, because I really like this place. I like these people oh. in this place. So but that was the worst. Know. Yeah, it's even worse. Mm. What was their violation? Will you at least tell us that? Visibly poor hygiene, uh, dirt, not cleaning your utensils properly, Mm. uh, food at the wrong heat, just everything you could think. Mm -hmm. They had like three paragraphs. Oh, it's terrible. So let me just throw a couple things out here. Sure. As a guy who uh, waited tables in New York for going on five years, right? And uh, I dealt with five different health inspections in New York City over that time. 
Number one, on a personal level, I am willing to go down to C without even questioning it. If you're talking, if you give me the restaurant, like like the number out front of the restaurant in New York, they put A B C D. I'll eat something from a C restaurant. I don't care. I didn't know they had that. Oh yeah, in New York City, what they actually have is letter grades that sit mm. on front of the restaurant. A B C. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look. I didn't know that. Does every place have to have it? Yes. Really? Yes. It's like a little sticker Absolutely. on a door. No, it's a big full size piece of paper with a big full size letter never on noticed it. Noticed yeah, yeah, yeah. Before. And I'm willing to go down to a level C, which is most bodegas are like a C. Right, you know right. I mean? right. Um, now, a lot of the big scam in New York is though they'll hit you with any violation they can find because they'll put you down to like a B and say if you want to get to an A. You have to do all these things and then throw us a little bit of cashish uh-huh. and then we'll come back and give you the A rating. Yeah. Right. So that right. seems so a lot of times people just get bad ratings because they want to come back and have something to do to come back, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So don't take the ratings too serious. I didn't know that they don't do that. And I guess I guess I have never seen a restaurant rating anywhere in New York, like a like a health rating in front of it. And maybe it's good. probably somewhere. I bet like you have to display it, but I bet most people aren't like don't have to display it like at their door, or aren't doing it that way or whatever. I don't know, and I wouldn't care as much if my son wasn't eating at these places because they get sick easy than we do. So now I always think like that's oh, fair, you know. But yeah, yeah. I feel gross. like what, <laughs> some of you are gross. <laughs> I'll say this: some violations that you get in restaurants are sort of like you can't really avoid it, right? There's just certain yeah. things that mm-hmm. you can't. Do anything you, about. you can help poor hygiene. Well, though. and that's yes. kind of yeah, poor hygiene and like you know washing utensils and that kind of thing certainly. But that's kind of what I meant earlier when I'm like if you've already, if you work at a restaurant you know what goes on. And I think what I really meant by that was that the a lot like if you go through the full checklist to 100% pass inspection with everything, there are some small things where they just they almost seem impractical in corners yeah, where you get cut and stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? But when it comes to things like specifically food temperature is the one that now yeah. if they wrote you up for food temperature because you're lemons were in a deep enough ice bath yeah, like come on yep. but, if they, but if they wrote you up because your chicken is unsafe yeah. and your shrimp yeah. is unsafe that's a whole different thing and po- um, chicken and, no, true, true story red meat's pretty sturdy true story the restaurant that I worked in in New York if the health inspector came in they would throw all of the lemons away no questions asked whether they were right or wrong. They just threw them away. The second the, the second the guy walked, he's like, "Fuck it, we'll cut more lemons." I don't yeah. care. I don't it's think all that, over. I don't think there's anything in a bar or restaurant that that staff is taking more chances with than the lemons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. citrus in a bar. Don't ever. The lemons are such a weird ubiquitous thing because, like, no matter where you work, if you're in any kind of food or drink service, you probably mess with lemons. Right? You got lemons somewhere. It's one of the most ubiquitous things that everybody probably sees throughout yeah. the entire industry. And if you have lemon juice. Screw you. It's a mistake. Just get lemons. Go buy lemons. That lemon juice never tastes the well, same. Well, because you know what? It's nice when you're chopping up a bunch of lemons. Like, you got yeah, a whole batch nice. and they smell great. And yeah. That's wonderful. Mm. We do, and we pull them off for, like, a zest at the bar. We'll take, yeah. like, just a slice of the peel to put in, like, mm-hmm. a cocktail for our yeah. garnish or something. Nice. Always smells really good. Uh, so this week on the show, I think I mentioned it in the intro, we have my good friend Jason Tank Ramirez from El Jefe's Tacos and More. He joined us this week. It was nice talking to him. Uh, one of the nicest guys I think I've probably ever known. Yeah, what a great dude. Genuinely one of like the kindest, most positive dudes that walks around time and time. Glad to have him back in Utica. Yeah, it was really nice talking to him today. I also talked to a lot of different folks today about potential interviews coming up. Very excited about some upcoming interviews. So I've been doing mm, some work. Got some heavy, that. some big fish coming in. Yeah. Well, no, it's oh, just it's tough. Some big fish. I, I know. Did we all get right. Claudia? No, <laughs> we did not get oh, Claudia. Claudia. I'm waiting for. Her. Uh, not seen as many people as... stop me about that I'm more sure than almost do. anything in my life people mm-hmm. are like hey hey you don't like her right and they're like come talk to me about it it's funny 
I haven't seen a ton of her signs around Utica. I've seen them once I start getting I've been outside. More. I see them on French Road. I saw them today when I was in Whitesboro. They're on like every main corner at like I don't know if it's like city owned, private. Oh no, owned, I read but, like every corner on Erskine yeah. Boulevard has. No, there's an article in. There's in, some right down the street. The people on the corner, two houses down. Yeah, yeah. I saw. There's an article in this in the OD actually this week about how that's illegal. How mm-hmm. people putting all those signs in like non yeah. uh, private land, like not in front of lawns yeah. and stuff. That's uh, you're not supposed to do that mm-hmm. apparently. So. We should go. Surprise, surprise. She's out there breaking. We should, you know. We should go take them. No. We should go bring. Why? If, They're not there legally. We'll put them. We'll return them right back to headquarters. But Citizens you can't not have them here. I mean, Citizens somebody's, listen, out. it's it's busy times. You know, somebody's got to help bring these people to justice and enforce the laws. And so, yeah, we go. You'll get them. Of course, now watch. We've said this. And if somebody goes and does it's something. It's going to be blamed They're, they're going to be coming knocking on the, on the studio yeah. doors. They're going to yeah. be like, hey, hey, it's those Uticast boys. Yeah, pull behind the curtain. I'm way too lazy to go do that. I'm oh, not so doing chance. that. No, no chance. Uh, I will well, say you this. like stop the car on the boulevard. And that's a weird corner. <laughs> yeah. And then hop out. Even if you do that in the middle of the night. If there's, a, if there's police within 50 yards, yeah, they're, they're like, hey, what's that weird thing that car is doing? <laughs> and like, you're not going to go park and like walk that neighborhood and pretend to be like, oh, I'm looking for my dog. There's a giant one on French Road, and someone keeps knocking these. People I see that. Them. I see that knocked yeah. over all the time. Yeah. And every time I drive by, it's exactly right hilarious. now. Um, on the other side, it only empowers those people. Yeah. People who have it. They probably love it. Yeah. Oh, liberals knocking over my sign. The libs got to burn the libs. Uh, oh. Speaking of signs, uh, I did. It did get me wondering because there is a there is a tinny sign down the road from us, and it bothered me when I was driving up here last mm-hmm. week. And I said, so I tweeted out at Anthony Brindisi about who do I got to talk to. To get a Brindisi sign. Yeah. Uh, I got some people who responded to me on Twitter who I'm going to DM and get at. But if you know, if you got the hookup on a Brindisi sign for the front lawn, I'd like one to counteract this crummy tinny sign I got down the street. So, uh. If Anthony's listening, I could put a big one. I'm right on French Road. And we should also, we should try to hook it up. Um, if you need a sign, contact us. We'll find somebody who'll get you a yeah, sign. Yeah, we'll hook you up. We'll make Let's you see signs. Uh, can I can I tell you what's funny about the sign thing? And this is weird. This is this is not happening before. I went on Twitter and I put that up about the signs, and I got attacked by progressive far left Twitter, far left Twitter who doesn't think Prentice's progressive enough. They hammered me. I couldn't believe it. I usually get it from the other you side. You can't win. You know what? I, I sometimes I, <laughs> I could, I couldn't no, believe it. I get no. I I understand what these people think they're doing, and I get the point as a whole that it's like, hey, we're not going to settle for some like you know. I, I listened to Rage Against the Machine a lot when I was a kid as well, so I understand <laughs> what we're talking about. But like at a certain point, you have to be able to like grow up a little bit, yeah. Divorce yourself from the situation. It's like okay, well, if all you people want to be arguing like. I'm not voting for Brindisi. He's not far left enough, so I'm just not going to vote, or I'm going to forgo. I'm going to vote for some weirdo that That's you know what I mean. Never going to get it. Something yeah. like that. I, then and then ta- Claudia just wins again. Well, what have you done? You've only hurt yourself mm-hmm. at that position. So sometimes you have to grow up and vote. You know, not every candidate can be a perfect candidate, and you can't let perfect be the enemy of good. It's a great point. You tell him. I saw an article today. He said, <laughs> "I want Tank Ramirez to run." Yo, I said that after I listened to the interview. I'm on Tank for a long time. I hope he runs for something someday. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy that'd be great for the city. Uh, I don't have a ton of other politics stuff on here, so we can move past that for now. Uh, but again, hook up, hit me up on Twitter if you got the hook up on a sign. Trying yeah, to get yeah. a Brindisi sign. Uh, 
So last week, something happened that happens once in a while when we do the show, because it's a weekly show. Something happens in the news that happens on like a Monday after we've recorded the show and we would have talked about it, and now we're like a week behind on it. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to talk about uh, Nike and Colin Kaepernick and people burning their Nike products. Uh, and just a quick <laughs> quick timeline on this. Uh, last Monday, uh, Nike announced that uh, Colin Kaepernick was going to be the face of their new ad campaign for 2018. It's already a, it's a pretty good ad campaign, although I'll talk about the commercial in a minute. Uh, and of course, what proceeded was people burning their Nike products mm-hmm. because of what Colin Kaepernick represents. Um, I saw a lot of no, this. No, 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 no. Because of what they think Colin Kaepernick what they think. represents. Yeah, That's you. a very, yeah. very, very important distinction to yes, make. Yes, it's a great point. Um, now, I, I've seen a lot of takes on the internet on various sides, right? One of the takes is like, well, Nike makes all their stuff in sweatshops and little kids, so like, who cares what Nike does on one side? Which, okay, fine, I guess. Like, if you're going to make a stand against Nike morally, like, you could have made it beforehand, mm-hmm. right? You could have made it for other reasons besides them supporting Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I've seen a lot of support on the side that's like, I'm just going to buy more Nike products now. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people say that. The it's best... Fair. Everybody likes a pair of fly nets. <laughs> I would say the best take that I saw about this was from uh, my good favorite read, Drew McGarry on GQ, which was just questioning, like, when did brands become, like, the moral compass for stuff? Like, why are we excited when a brand sticks up for something we believe is right? Like, they're a private company. They can do whatever they want, right? Like, is it... the brands, brands are the new, like, brands are the new rock stars. Brands are the new Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you live in, you know, uh, a society that's quite a bit like, you know, an oligarchy pointed towards, like, where, you know, the companies and corporations run things. Right. These are the big names. Think about it. You know what I mean? Like, the Googles and the Apples and the whoever else of today is the Beatles and the Rolling Stones of the 60s. In a lot of ways, where it's this giant cultural tentpole that people get underneath and identify with. Well, and they also have a bigger platform now. I mean, yeah. they can put all their stuff on social media. They can put it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always being seen now. They dominate the platforms it? that we consume media on more than probably any other time. It's just weird to feel like that. this is where we're taking our... Like, we are picking whether we like something's morals and choosing to... I just It's so weird, man. Like, I, I don't look to Nike to decide whether something's good or not. I look to Nike to say... I. You no, know I mean? like, nobody expects I, you to look to them to see where they're good. I yeah. think the people who look to them to dictate their morals are the same level of intelligent of the same people that burn sneakers they already bought see. to protest. You don't have to be the opposite side of that coin just because these people take it serious to a level that's ridiculous. Right. Okay. I didn't I felt like I didn't feel anything either way about it. I was just like, ah, Nike put something out. Okay. My I take, don't know. I didn't really it didn't affect me. My take <laughs> on it, I was just had it made me laugh. I'm yeah. like, I'm so glad that these people are mad because like I stand with Colin Kaepernick. I think he's, you know, I'm you kneel with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah well, no, whatever it is. Like <laughs> I've got his back for what he wants to do and you know, go cap. Like yeah. go get him. And I'm mad I love when idiots are burning things that they already bought to protest. When they were smashing Keurigs, it was amazing to me. That sounds high-level entertainment. So I knew that was coming. Uh, I have two takes on this. Number one, I think it's interesting that Kaepernick is probably a more relevant figure now that he's been out of football for two years than he was when he was playing football. Yes? Yeah, probably. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's one of the top names in sports. So strictly from a marketing standpoint, it's a good move by Nike to make him the face of their campaign, even knowing they'll be backlash. It's an amazing move for yeah. Nike. No, they're doing good right like, now. Like, the people so. in Nike's marketing <laughs> right. team, the people steering the ship, this they're is a home run. They're making a lot of money right now. Uh, online sales are up 31% since the ad aired. That's according to the internet. That's USA Today's mm-hmm. numbers. Uh, I'll say... 
I'll say... No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, because the people who are burning the Nikes are like the suburban dads who buy one new pair of Air Monarchs every <laughs> yeah. four years. <laughs> yeah. That's and if you don't point. know, look up Air Monarchs and you'll know that I'm right. Look up Dad the Nike shoes. Air Monarch and you'll see it. <laughs> but so, like, these people aren't affecting Nike's bottom line. You know, these aren't the people who are buying, like... Mm jerseys and basketball shorts and like three different mm-hmm. pairs of like whatever the new shoe drop is yeah so of course their sales are only going to go up uh and can i i just want to say this i support cap i support nike for doing this i think it's all great i think all of it's awesome i've seen the commercial like the long form commercial that they play i haven't seen it i've seen it about 12 times because it was on one of those streaming services you love watching football yeah, it was on during football yeah see it's objectively not a good commercial for a couple of different reasons. It's an inspiring commercial, but Kaepernick's voice in general is not great to be the narrator of something. I agree with that. It's I not totally a great narrator agree with voice. That because I thought the story was great, what they were showing was great, but him talking, I was like, I couldn't feel him. And we, you know, it's funny because we talk about that sometimes when watching wrestling. Yeah. Where they'll be presenting this <laughs> yes. wrestlers like this, like Brock Lesnar is a great example. Brock Lesnar is a big, tough, scary dude. Like he's supposed to be this monster, this beast. And they give him the microphone, and he's got like a high pitched, yeah. like sort of weird, like <laughs> I'm gonna get you voice. Reigns. And it's just like it takes you out of it. It's the same thing. If you get a bad voice, sometimes you can't be yeah, can't be voiceover guy. Uh, and especially because like I'm used to Nike going way out over the top on commercials. It's actually a pretty subdued commercial. I get it's mm-hmm. like a more poignant commercial, but like the last Nike commercial I saw was for a pair of cleats called the Nike Phantom Cleats. Mm-hmm. Go look it up on YouTube. It's an outrageous four minute movie trailer of a video for sneakers. So it's not. I sort of expect like a more bombast from Nike video. I expect, but yeah, it's just fine. Uh, good for Nike. Uh, I don't really have any other takes on Nike or Colin Kaepernick. Keep today. melting the snowflakes. That's what I say. <laughs> Let's keep melting these snowflakes. Uh, two sad deaths this week that I don't feel super qualified to talk about either of them because I feel like I'm on the middle between both spectrums. One is uh, Burt Reynolds, who passed away this mm-hmm. week at 82. Uh, I remember Burt Reynolds from three things primarily. Mm-hmm. From Smokey and the Bandit, not that I saw it, but I'm aware that's a thing he was in. Uh-huh. Uh, Boogie Nights, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Norm MacDonald doing Burt Reynolds on Celebrity Jeopardy on <laughs> Saturday true. Night Live, like Turd Ferguson. A, a as a funny point. name. Yeah. Uh, any Burt Reynolds memories for you guys in particular? Those are about the same for, well, um, Boogie Nights. Um, but other than that, I felt when he passed away, I felt I could. Sorry, I can't talk today. <laughs> I cannot talk. Um, I felt like I was getting older. I didn't know he was that old. Yeah. You know, I still pictured Burt Reynolds looking like he looked like when I'd watch him in TV when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the when I saw him, what he looked like and that happened, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I didn't even know that he was that old. So One of the things I remember about Burt Reynolds, when I was a kid, um, at one of my grandmother's house, I had like an aunt and she would always get the National Enquirer and the Globe and like the celebrity gossip like rag papers that you see, the grocery store checkout line. And Burt Reynolds was always on the cover at that time. He had, like, some ex-wife. There was some big, like, drama. And he was a huge tabloid celebrity in, like, the early 90s. That's all I ever really knew about. And then you get older. And, like, I saw Boogie Nights, of course. I know he's in Deliverance, which I've never really seen. But I know what that is, certainly. But Uh, 82, I mean, that's good life. Yeah. What can you say? I thought Bill Simmons on his podcast made a really good point about... Burt Reynolds, and it was basically, Burt Reynolds was a movie star in the era when people would go out to the movies because Burt Reynolds was in a movie. They're going to see Burt Reynolds, and if the movie was good, it was sort of like a bonus. But you would just go see a movie because a star was in it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Burt Reynolds made a lot of movies. Not all of them were good, but he was consistently in the movies all the time, and people knew who he was, and he was a type and a character. He did Jason Statham of our time. (laughs) He definitely had more charisma than Statham. I would feel... feel He would be like a 
like a Chris Pratt type? No, he's not yeah. funny. I, no. He was kind of funny. He's funny. He's funny. He yeah, but not the way Chris, Chris Pratt is. Can you see Burt Reynolds as Andy Dwyer? <laughs> Young Burt Reynolds <laughs> as some sort of Dukes of Hazard type, though? Cry. Like in a different type of show? Maybe not we exactly. Cross them. I don't know. I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> Uh, all right, the other one, uh, again, I, do, I don't know much about him, but Mac Miller, 26, uh, yeah. passed away this week. Uh, again, I'll, I'll say if you want to go deeper in it, I read a really good piece on GQ called Mac Miller uh, Was Proof That a Rapper Can Grow Up by Max Sian, uh, I think is his name. Yeah. GQ. Uh, that was my, I was never a huge Mac Miller guy, but it's, I mean, it's super sad. He's 26 years so old. Young. And, you know, drug overdose. And, like, he had talked in his music and, you know, some of his more recent releases about... You know, Addiction had some pretty dark songs, was like trying to get over it, but um, that's probably, I haven't read that GQ piece, but it's probably pretty good because that is the take. Like, I remember listening to Mac Miller. The song that got me into Mac Miller, he was like this young rapper. He was like 17 when he got famous mm-hmm. for like, because he was just on the internet, and you know, it was like when that first started happening. And he had a song that's actually, I hate it because I like the song a lot, but it's called Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And like the whole song is like the hook, and he's like, look, I'm on my Donald Trump shit and talking about how he's rich, like before it was a yeah, nightmare, yeah. back when he was a funny <laughs> yeah. character. Um, but he did just like grow up and like his albums go on, you know, instead of you could stay like a corny rapper that never really does anything, tries to keep making like silly young kid music, but to watch somebody grow and somebody had a lot of promise and to see another person get cut down by drugs really just, I mean, it's just an ever present crushing menace all the time. Like what happens with addiction in people and it's so sad and I don't know what you do, but go listen to Mac Miller, put out a new record this year that was pretty good. Mm. Uh, I have to say, in this big, I'm not trying to play this for laughs. I really did initially think that it was Macklemore who died, not Mac Miller. <laughs> and like, I, swear I saw to, a lot of those takes on the internet. And I didn't mean it as a take, but I remember talking to Justin about it because mm-hmm. Justin Parkinson's a big Macklemore fan, and I was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, your boy, he died." He's like, "No, he didn't." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> right, my bad, bro." Um, um, I'm certainly not going to advocate trading anybody for anybody. But no, it's interesting no. how things work out sometimes. Uh, other stories we missed this week: uh, Serena Williams made some news this week. She lost at the U.S. Open, but mostly because she lost because she got two penalties for verbally abusing the referee in the chair. <laughs> like, uh, which is funny because, like, I think in tennis history, like people like they look at like McEnroe and that like crazy moment mm-hmm. where he's yelling at the ref, and that's kind of a thing that happens in tennis. I think people were surprised by how harsh. The criticism was. I didn't see mm. it. I'd have to go back and look at it. But, uh, yeah, she got... Uh, she was called for a game penalty for verbally abusing the chair umpire after two warnings. One for coaching and one for smashing her racket. So, there you go. Pretty really? pretty wild. I love it. She won so much that now she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to do a heel <laughs> yeah. turn. Like, no, I'm just going to be a maniac. I like, whatever. One of the most dominant athletes of all time. True. And wild. Insane. Serena Williams. Uh, also, Hurricane Florence, apparently, is threatening the East Coast. I didn't know that Looking was coming. terrible yeah, for the my Carolinas. Brother South Carolina. To tell them to I th- I'm like, stop. he's like, we got a generator, we got everything. I'm like, I don't care, just get out of there. How far is he from the coast? He's two hours. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So yeah, generators probably. So you don't have yeah. to really worry like storms or yeah. at that point. I'm like, aren't you scared? He's like, no, it's gonna be fun. I'm like, what? People are weird down there. People like identify that. with yeah, that. With like that. Trying, I'll ride out like a category too. I was talking to a good it's friend of the car. show, Pat, who lives down in Miami. And he's like, yeah, some of them are fun, and we were going through. He's like, once it gets to you know a certain category, you kind of got to go. And it yeah. depends how close you live yeah. too. Uh, and finally this week, uh, our one Trump piece. Obama finally talked about Trump this week in a very long uh, take while he was in California at an event. It was very good and very strong. I'm not going to dig into all of it, but if you like Obama, it was nice to see him back out there just stunting with his... Yeah, it was. It's uh, it's bittersweet 
It is bittersweet. You know what yeah, I mean? Because he like, can't come back. You it's can't. like you see your ex and they're just looking so good. <laughs> and you're uh, just like, damn. I was going to say. Imagine how it used to be. I was going to say, it was kind of like when you had money so you could buy the name brand cereal. Oh, and then yeah. for a while you got off it and you had to get the cheap cereal. And then you went back to name brand. You're like, man, I <laughs> forgot how good yeah. this was. Oh my oh. God, it's so much better than I remember. Oh. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, oh. I knew you'd come. Oh. <laughs> you're bad. Yeah, it was, you know what the thing, I'll say, regardless of your politics, regardless of, of you know, what you think about, you know, I think that whatever it is if you can go watch you know uh president obama's speech from last this past week, yeah, whatever, from saturday and go watch the uh, man, top three top five trump speeches you could ever see and if you genuinely can't see the difference <laughs> I, I it's it's i almost feel like you're lying to me because i can't <laughs> comprehend how you couldn't like i feel like you're trolling me because i don't know how anybody could watch the two and not see the the problem I didn't want to bring. I don't want to go off, but um, did you see the guy in the background of the Trump? Did you t- call the plaid shirt? Plaid guy? shirt guy. I hear people talking about. No, I did. Yeah, no, yeah. Was, that I didn't want to yeah. like change topic. No, this is the show. Change it. Change it. Bring it up because I've heard people talking about this and I don't understand what it is. So maybe this can be a he, Heather explains it to me. Well, segment. no, he isn't. He's a Democrat, but he wanted. He's in college. And he wanted he's to seventeen. See our, he's yeah, in high school. He wanted to see our president speak, so he. Got, got in and he okay. said you want to stand behind him and every time he'd say something that he was, was just, right over Trump's shoulder right, like mean, from right, the camera I mean, view like his head run. was like right here next to Trump and every time he said something stupid he'd just make like a weird face <laughs> yeah. oh, Trump would say stuff he's like you know and we've done so well and we've fixed everything the kid's just like uh-huh. <laughs> just <mouthing. laughs> like no you haven't and it just was hysterical mouthing. I guess they took him out of there this, so the secret service came and removed him and moved somebody else in there and they detained him for 10 to 20 minutes and told him don't ever God. come back Oh my but god. But like he wasn't he wasn't like acting out. He, he wasn't acting anything. crazy. He was just it was just facial expressions. He but. said he just hilarious. Yeah, he just said it, some things didn't sound right. So he was just making faces about it. But here was all these Trump supporters and this one guy in a plaid shirt mm. who's just making I'm like, to, not unimpressed. I'm it was pretty fun. The There's, you see a lot of memes now, like from this week. There were some of the, the memes of the week that was can a go lot in of stuff my with that kid in screenshots. Top five Trump speeches <laughs> yeah there you go watch that and compare it uh all right so let's get to this week's guest uh who i didn't i i talked to him very early on in this podcast for about five minutes as we're trying to trace our lineage of how far we go back because uh, jason aka tank ramirez uh he's had a very like nomadic early lifestyle he jumped around between notre dame unique school district yeah. outside of the district catholic schools public schools he's all over the place he knows lots of folks uh, you may know him from El Jefe's Tacos and More. You may know him from the Utica Fire Department. You may know him from his engraving business. He's a man of many trades, but it was uh, it was a great pleasure to sit down with my longtime uh, friend and compatriot, uh, Jason Ramirez, to talk about all sorts of things. I got to listen to this one from the green room, and this is actually this is a great interview. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. I really enjoyed listening. Had the fire going, just sort of enjoying Here's listening to the conversation. <laughs> it was great talking to him. Uh, check him out, uh, El Jefe Tacos and More.com. Check him out on Facebook, El Jefe Tacos and More. Uh, check out Jason Tank Ramirez. We'll be back in just a moment. I tried to do this before you got here, 
and our listeners, please indulge me as I as I put this as I do this thing. I'm trying to trace our like going back to knowing each other because I've known you for a very 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 long time. That's very true. Now, did you go to Hughes School with me? Yes. So you went to Hughes with me. I would like to say that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And I forget. Did you go to Donovan with me? I did not. I was at. St. Paul's in Whitesboro. Oh, okay. So you they, left the Utica School District. Well, they I was at kindergarten, first grade at St. Paul's, and then hmm. I ended up migrating over. They closed St. Paul's down. Hmm. I want to say it was second grade that I went over to Hughes. Hughes, yeah, yeah. That's where we sort of met. That was it. Yeah, me, yeah. you, Andy. Andy, was, Andrew Filipponi, Chris Berling. Yeah, 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 all the guys <laughs> playing off the wall. <laughs> you're the only, it's funny is you're probably the only person of that crew who I still run into casually. Once in a while I run into like Chris Sperling because he's the Sperling still sort of lurking yeah. around here, but I, I rarely see anyone from that. Era. I saw An- Andy at, where was it? He had a Jets, a Jets starter jacket on. He was ready to rock and roll. <laughs> yes, oh I God. forgot where it was though. It was a good time. We had, we ended up throwing back a couple. I want to say it was like a St. Patty's Day or something Sounds like that. About right. I ended up bumping him. I looked. I go, is it Andy? It's Andy. I'd have a hard time. I have a hard time recognizing it now. I feel like I ran into him. Uh, did you? So you. And you went to Proctor, though, too, didn't you? Or did you? Well, I, after that, I ended up, <laughs> I've hopped all around. Yeah, I was going to say, it's true. You were sort of a nomad. <laughs> That's it. I went from Hughes for a couple of grades, and then I want to say in fifth grade, I went over to St. or to Lords. Lords. Fifth, really? sixth, and seventh. That's right. At Lords, yeah. and then eighth, ninth, tenth at Notre Dame, and then. I finally convinced my parents to uh, migrate back over to, to Proctor. Cause I, I mean, I knew everyone from there growing up playing sports, hockey, football, baseball, you know what I mean? So. Well, let me ask you this question because I'm very curious about this. You, you did sort of lead a little bit of a nomadic, like, early school life in that way. How do you feel like that affected your ability to, like, make friends? I feel like you've had a lot of friends over the years. You've known people through sports. You know people through, you keep a lot of the friends from different places you've gone? Or To be honest with you, as weird as it does sound, being so nomadic, it's, it was kind of cool because yeah. anywhere you'd go, like, if I went over to Whitesboro... I'd always know, hey, there's so and so over there. You know, we were, you know, he respected me, I respected him. Maybe we haven't seen each other in a little while. (laughs) But the last time we saw each other, it was a good moment. So let's keep on having him, you know? Uh, And I guess the thing that I most associate with you, because, Mm. you know, we've got a lot going back, but the one I always think of is playing at Hinko Baseball together. That's true. We were on the Mets, (laughs) you and me, and Adam Coletta, and Mr. Munns. Ty Broke. Yeah, Ty (laughs) Broke. You were actually. Quite a good baseball player, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And I, I was kind of curious because I knew, like, at Ed Hinko, which, if you're not from Utica directly, Ed Hinko is, like, I guess, it's like Babe Ruth League. It's, yeah. like, higher than Little League, but, yeah. like, not, like... It's the next intermediary step, not modified baseball for school, yeah. but it is a competitive yeah. league in which, you know, you can keep on I knew, progressing. I knew I was playing because I liked to play baseball and I was terrible. But you were pretty good. <laughs> you could pitch, right? This is so I'm curious, did, was there ever a point in time when we were young, like, playing baseball and you mm-hmm. thought you were going to play baseball? Well, I always thought about it, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was never one of those... It's kind of weird. There's a lot of things that I do think about in the far future, but a lot of stuff I keep, you know, short-term, like sports, I kind of always knew I was going to be 5'7". Yeah, right, right, <laughs> my right. My mom was 4'8". <laughs> I got a lot out of my <laughs> out of my genetic structure, so I didn't really see myself going pro football or pro baseball, you know what I mean? But at some point, I do like the feeling. I've always loved playing the camaraderie, being able to pitch, you know what I mean? That's well, an it, awesome feeling, you know? It's great you say that because... 
even as a guy who was objectively not very good at sports, I was mm. okay playing soccer as I got older mm. just because I understood the game a little better. Mm. You know, but like even as a kid, I was striking out all the time and I stuff. But I liked being on a team and being around the boys and being around the lads and it just sort of gives you that sort of teamwork and sort of social skills that I think sometimes are lacking if you don't have those sort of aspects around. It, it puts you in an environment that you all have a mutual objective going towards, yeah. but at the same time, you may not like the second baseman or the, the, the center fielder, yeah. but at the end of the day, in all of your minds, you want to win and that's it. You know what I mean? You want to do the best you can, leave it all on the field and have a good time. So, and it's not the same as just like hanging out with your buddies because no, hanging yeah. out with your pals is great too. But that's unstructured. There's something yes. about being around a group of your peers with some structured event that mm. like has an effect on how you interact with them. I feel like yeah, it's you know? it's it's kind of I want to say forecasting, but yeah. uh, about like the fire department. You know oh, yeah, yeah. I mean? Where I work and it's that mentality, that style of you know, there's different people for different jobs. You know. Mm. Not everyone's a catcher. Not everyone's a pitcher. Not everyone's an outfielder. You have your job. You are good at it. If you do good at what you do and I do good at what I do, we both mutually move to our common right. goal of accomplishing that task. You know what I mean? So. And baseball is interesting, too, because it's almost like an individual sport that's played with a team, right? It's, it's, especially, it's, weird. it's a weird You're right game. About <laughs> Pitching. Um, ca- I mean, every guy has got a specific – he's a specific tool in the toolbox, yeah. and you got to pull him out. He's got to be used – for a specific, you know, moment, so... And again, I use sports and wrestling analogies all the time in my normal life. I think that having the ability to translate, like, general ideas from sports and stuff into real life mm-hmm. is a good way to sort of make that oh, yeah. connection. Those are those are huge. Like, going back to what you were saying, playing sports and being in a structured environment, those things help you later on in life to yeah. navigate through any... Op- you know, you can deal with the guy that, you know, you never really spoke with, yeah. but now you're forced to deal with him and collectively work together. So now you have to figure out, okay, I normally wouldn't talk to this individual or be around yeah. that individual. Not saying in a mean way, but I just wouldn't well, I mean, socialize with them. Now reality. I have to, so I learn about that, you know? Well, it's just reality. You go to work somewhere. You're not going to like every single person you exactly. work with. Exactly. Unless you own a food truck with your pals. Well, yes. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, <laughs> so we've already gone six minutes in. I've yet to introduce you properly. Of course, I'm sitting here talking with my very good friend, Jason Tank Ramirez. I, I can't help but call you Tank. It's just part of my... This is true. You are the owner and operator of El Jefe's Tacos and More Taco Truck. Correct. Uh, you are also a member of the fire department in the city of Utica. You're a man of all yes, trades. Sir. You do some engraving. You yes, do all sorts sir. of stuff. Stonework. Everything. <laughs> Anything I can do, I will put my mind to it and do it. <laughs> I love that mentality, though. That's good, man. Like, Especially like now in this world where it seems like... Our generation almost, you have to have more than one thing. Like, you have to, it's, we grew up and we were sort of told, Mm -hmm. you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, that's your job, and you work there. And that doesn't seem like the world we we walked into. (laughs) Think of this, like our parents, you know, well, some parents. Some parents, yeah. yeah. My father worked for, you know, a a company for 28 years. Mm. And then, you know, it was like shuffled off. And when you're growing up and you're in high school and you're like being told, go to college, get a degree. And then you see this guy and you're like, damn, this guy put so much effort into this career that he's built up. And then they just tossed him away. It makes you think like, you know, is that the route that I want to choose? Do I want to go down a single road and put all my eggs in one basket? Or should I, you know, do a couple of things so that if this doesn't work out, at least I have something else. It's a weird, I mean, it's it was something that happened to me, but, but it was just a, uh, an impressionable moment yeah. where like, I was like, wow, you know, how, how do I negotiate through my life with that having to ha- have happened to my father? And oh, he was yeah. such a good, you know, you know my dad. He oh, I love a, your pops. 
Matter an fact, awesome guy, you know. While we're at it, let's get to the beginning portion of it because we already talked a little bit about your schooling, but we skipped back. You were born, raised in Utica, or were you? Born? I was born in New York City. Born in New York City. Uh, St. Luke's Hospital in Manhattan, and then moved up here when I was four years old. My mm-hmm. parents got you know an opportunity with a company to move up. So and you were four when you came up here. Did you have any recollections at all of New York City before then? Uh, the, you know what? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's two recollections yeah. that I remember very greatly. <laughs> One of them is uh, we lived uh, 178th in St. Nicholas mm-hmm. in um, Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my father, up there. <laughs> with New York City accent, my mother's name is Maura. Huh. Maura! <laughs> and we both go to the window and I look down and he's, what kind of chips do you want? <laughs> and I'll never forget, it was the purple bag that said deli chips yes. on them. And that was ever seared into my (laughs) brain forever. I'll never forget those chips, ever. (laughs) You know, it's funny, and I want to get into it because I love your old man. Your old man, I remember him as such a character. Oh, Uh, yeah. It was... What was it? You growing up, you had siblings as well? It was you and It was myself, and then 10 years later, my sister. And your sister. 10 years apart, and that was about it. And your mom and dad still together? Uh, My mom passed away. Mom passed? A couple years now, yeah. yeah. I knew something happened. Is your dad still around? Yeah, he actually... He's on Lil' F. Nice. Nice. So I got him to come back because he was away. I mean, he was downstate with his sisters, but I go, it's hard, you know, it's hard visiting someone three hours away and then not being able to stay there, you know? Yeah. Sorry to hear about your mom, man. I feel like I knew that, and I feel like we probably yeah. haven't talked since that's happened, but... Yeah, it happens, you know? Well, you, you know, remember uh, the good times. <laughs> Kev, Kev, who's our co-host on the show, he's, he's yeah. had issues with parents uh, passing on yeah. at early ages and later stages in his life, and, uh, you know, he's talked about the way it sort of affects you and sort of grounds you in the fact that at some point in time it is just going to be... You, you to take yeah. care of it yourself, you know, and you got to build up that that base because at some point in time, you know, they're going to be gone. Also appreciate them, I suppose, when they're there, too. Well, that's like I said that sometimes I don't yeah. think too far into the future, but <laughs> yeah. those are the moments yeah. that I kind of have, it's like a weird little thing that I've yeah. got where I'd like to project myself out five years mm. and start understanding how it's going to feel then because I don't want to be five years later and, you know, my kids yeah. are that much older yeah. and now you're in it and you're dealing with the... You know, the mental situations that come upon you. And so you're not only navigating and negotiating mm-hmm. through these obstacles, you're you're having this versus, you know, let's think about it in in, in, in advance. And then you can say, okay, you know, I, I, I can kind of prepare myself mm-hmm. for these things that are going to start happening. I'm going to get old. I'm not going to yeah. be able to go out there and run like the wind anymore. You know what I mean? They're not going to want to hang out with me. So at some point, they're going to want to hang out. You know, stuff like that where you... You start making yourself understand these things, not saying I'm giving up at all because I'm going to make sure they want to hang out every day. But no, but we're you know we're in that age though now in our early thirties where we start to have a little bit more like metacognition about our own. Th- we we know the way we act about things, and yes. we need to start. We start to become more self aware about what we need to know and mm-hmm. need to prepare ourselves for. I think, and it's sort of natural in this stage to get there. That's it. Uh, it's tough being in the early thirties. <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's a big, you know, you got, did you, do you have a family? Do you not have a family? Yeah. Am I going to have a family? Do you have a career? Do you not have a career? Are you going to have a career? You know, Just like, for my curiosity's sake, how old were you when you got married? You're married right now. Uh, 23. So you're 23. So you, yeah. that's, you've been married for a while then now. It's going to be, huh, it's kind of funny because we got married twice. <laughs> <laughs> we never got engaged. I, it was a funny thing yeah. where, you know, how it worked. I was just, I looked at her and I was mm. like, hey, I can't see myself not spending the rest yeah. of my life with you. Mm. So what's the point in mm. us going through a year of engagement and saying, uh, you didn't iron my boxers, I'm not going to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. No, I want you, I picked you, you feel the same, if you feel the same, then let's make this journey together. Yeah. And nice. So we did that, our, uh, you know, the Justice of the Peace in Albany, and that was actually really cool, 
because it was all of, you know, huh. close family members that were around. And yeah, yeah. It was kind of the, I don't, I don't know how to say it, it wasn't like the, the wedding is for everyone else. The party, yeah, the party's for this. This this was a wedding for <laughs> yeah. just us, you know. Yeah, where the personal. We, yeah, yeah. We hung out. We got to socialize with everyone that we were, you know, needed to hang out with. We, you know, had beers and just. It was a very fun, fluid, non-structured yeah. event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was cool. Not saying that you know our actual wedding right. that we had a year later that was awesome too. We had twin ponds. It was you know a, a great moment. Tons of people were around. You know, but that even speaks to the generational difference. Like even twenty three is six or seven years older than traditionally our parents would have gotten. Yeah, and the fact yeah. that you guys did separate ceremonies is a more like yeah. modern style of doing things. Like I see that a lot now, where people are like, "Oh, well, I have family who lives here and family who lives here, so we're gonna go home and do a thing here, yeah. and then maybe we'll do a thing with our friends here." But I don't think people are buying in as much to the traditional like, "Let's go have this one big giant wedding scenario for everybody, and everyone's got to come, and it's a huge event." Because I think people, when you start planning a wedding, you realize yeah. how pain it is for well, everybody. the numbers too. Think about yeah. it. Think Nuts. about you going 23 years old, you starting your life already in debt from college. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> so now you're in debt from that. You don't have a building that you yeah. own. You don't have anything that's of your invest. I mean, you've mm-hmm. invested into your 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 intelligence, which yeah. is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking that, but you know, you're ready. You know. Invest. You've invested all this money into something that you can't say I can sell again. Yeah, it's either a job, it's money, it's a future, which is awesome. But now a wedding. Now, okay, so you save up this money, or other people go in debt for that money. Yeah. So now you're furthering the twenty-five to thirty thousand that uh, you know it was yeah, for not us. Take that money, put it toward a house, put it toward an investment yeah. towards your future. Your kids, that's <laughs> anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For a two-family house, who, who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. You know, you're you're good at, but in the future. The whole point of a wedding, from my understanding, is, hey, you're around the people that you love. You're publicly announcing your emotions and your feelings about the other one that you care about. Does it need to be $20,000? Does no. it need to be thirty? Do you put a number on something like that? No. I'll, uh, Backyard, have to hang out. You know, like. Remember when we get off the air, there's a crazy story I have about the opposite side of that. It was a, uh, a funeral thing I heard when I was mm-hmm. working in an insurance company. It's an interesting mm-hmm. parallel to that story, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Uh, somewhere else. I want to move past the school thing for a sec. We mm-hmm. talked a lot about that. Uh, I was doing my research. Did you go to SUNY Albany as well SUNY, for a while? SUNY Albany. Yeah. I went there. I graduated in 2010 with a bachelor's in communication slash business minor. Yeah. So what was your plan in 2010 with that with that degree? Like, what did you think you were going to do at that point in time? Well, to dial it back a couple years sure. just to get me to that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went, uh, you know, obviously I left Proctor Graduate from there, you know, went to SUNY Albany. Yeah, oh four. And my cousin had previously already been in SUNY Albany. My parents were both bankers. Yeah. So the wink wink was, What are you gonna do, Jay? You know? Yeah. Uh And I was like, ah, you know, yeah, Dad, I'm gonna do business. Yeah, yeah. My cousin's he's going for accounting at SUNY Albany, which is a great degree over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna follow in his footsteps. It's a great school. And I you know, I started going there and then obviously time transpired. Couple of years go by, you know the housing market doesn't do well. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, give the old boot to dad. Oh yeah. <laughs> and all these questions start appearing, you know, obviously as a man on his journey, you know, in life, going to college. But these questions start popping up, and you know, educationally, I was sound. You know what I mean? I had a three to average. Yeah. I did very well. Was but a smart guy. Yeah. That at that time period, there was just so many questions going on in my head about like, you know, is this really what I want to do? 
Do I want to be in a cubicle? Do I want to be outdoors? I, I mean, Ooh, brother, <laughs> how does this? And then you're just being told go to class, study, do this, mm. do that, you know. And and then and then then you have your side jobs, working at pizzerias, or I did yeah. cell phone sales, which was never do that. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could do that. With that I'd, I'd rather do a lot of other things. I'll tell you than do that. But you know, it it just all these questions start appearing, and then. Okay, time transpired. I graduated in 2010. It took me an extra year. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents moving away to North Carolina. Yeah. That was a big restructuring. Because I was so used to having parties at my house. Yeah, you know? sure. Come over. Yeah, you guys, everyone's always welcome. Yeah, yeah. You know, as long as you don't trash the place, clean up after yourself. <laughs> You'll be it was, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like at the end of the day, my parents, you know, respected my decisions because they said, hey, if you achieve, you know, yeah. you do work at school, you do work at, you know, sports. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's not much. I you know, I, I want you yeah. to do those things. If you if you accomplish those tasks for me, I'm I'm happy with the decisions that you're making. You know, and then like I said, time transpired. I went to college. I had my year of uh, I don't know which one. College, hiatus or whatever. Yeah, you learn about. But life. you know, <laughs> exactly. And then after that, you know, I moved down there with them for a little bit. And at that point, I kind of understood. I've been away from my family for two years. Mm. Yeah. I, I not that I don't want to be with them, not that I can't live with them, but mm-hmm. I am used to doing my own routine. I'm used to living my own way, yep. and then it starts kind of just I don't know. There was I don't want to say conflicts, mm-hmm. but you know, just normal family stuff where you know, yeah. there's two bulls in one pen. <laughs> there's not enough room. <laughs> I, no, I, knew, I know. I, my my when I came back from New York mm-hmm. City, I was at my parents' house for six weeks, yeah. and they were super accommodating. That's I, yeah, they, I, they were great. They gave the same me thing. all the perks of the best Everything. they could <laughs> and even then we were still like all right i gotta get the hell out yeah, that's, <laughs> it's just, it, it's it, just, you get to an age you get to a point in time you just need space for your stuff that's you know it I mean? that's it so after that i moved back to albany and i said that's it i'm not i'm not gonna quit i'm not gonna surrender i gotta yeah. keep on marching to my own beat and then graduated college and before i graduated college i you know met my wife in mm-hmm. 2008 so through that time i kind of Instead of moving back to Albany where I lived with other people, I got a single yeah. apartment. I started navigating life on my own, not in a group of people. Not to say I was uh, antisocial. Obviously, you know me very well. Yeah. <laughs> that would be impossible. <laughs> yeah, you've been an extrovert. But, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I lived, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Lark Street in Albany. Oh, yes. Uh, a, see, Justin's was yeah, the bar. Yeah, I lived right across yeah. from Justin's. Oh, yeah. Literally I, uh, straight out the door to the left. I don't left. believe I'm allowed in there anymore. Yeah. Shout out to Max. What's yeah. up, Max? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened. I worked there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so in that time, you know, I mean, I moving out by myself, the kind of neighborhood that I was in, everything was in walking distance. The people that was I was surrounded by, it was kind of a positive, young, go get them. It's up to you at the end of yeah. the day. There's no excuses, you know. what I mean, it's it's not. Oh, I surrounded myself by the wrong people. Oh, I got I went out too much, you know, at nighttime or whatever. No, I was by myself. The decisions yeah. I made were on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I had to live with them. Or I learned from everything that you did. You know, I can't make that mistake again. It cost me too much, you know? That's, that's just learning the, the real way. That's how exactly. life is. Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> that's I wish they had a class man. about that in high school. <laughs> that's what I wish. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, we talk. Mm-hmm. I work in the education field. Yeah. I swear to God, we discuss all the time that there needs to be a, basically a life skills I, class. Which is like, this is how you write a check. Mm-hmm. This is how you pay bills. Yeah. This is how you like write Simple. get a calendar. This and is how you produce as, a, as an American. As Dude, being, you know. Nobody, we just don't talk about it anymore. No, it's just super weird that we've skipped. Right it's bad because <laughs> then they then you get caught up in the machine. Your credit score is nothing. 
You want to? Yeah. You got bills out the wazoo, and you're like, how do? What do I do? You know, and you, it's hard to find a place to start once you're already buried in it. Oh and yeah. All that thing. And then what do you grind it? You work three, four, five jobs, making minimum wage, and then mm-hmm. you're, you know. I'm not saying not to. Well, Everyone's it, had to do it, you know. But. You get disenfranchised with that way, though. Well, you that's get burned it. out. Like that's what it is. I did the temp thing for a long time mm-hmm. before I got hired in a job over here that I'm at now, and like mm-hmm. that temp gig is it's rough, man, because you don't make all that much money. Mm-hmm. You don't get excited to go in every day, and because of it, your work kind of like well, you're like, well, it. I don't care anymore because yeah. what's the difference, right? That's I'm, exactly. And it be just it's like a self defeating cycle, and yeah. that becomes the problem. The negative uh, Velcro loop. If you ever look it up, I know a the guy. The negative that, Velcro loop. Yeah, there look is. <laughs> I'm telling you, look it up because it compi- It's a compounding circle that you involve yourself and others huh. in, and you know it doesn't produce good results. And then you More keep on wondering, why, why, why? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And then all of a sudden you say, whoa. This guy knew what he was talking about. How many years ago he figured it out? <laughs> what brought you back to Utica? I mean, well, that was that's actually a good question because. Uh, my wife and I both graduated yeah. SUNY Albany, and she had a teaching job out there. I ended up, I, you know, after I graduated, throughout college, I worked at a cell phone sales place. Mm-hmm. And so I continued working there afterwards, you know what I mean? And um, she, education field. Yeah. So she had, she started her career building her resume, working in, you know, pre-Ks and, you know, all sorts of childhood environments. And um, as time transpired, I mean, we loved Albany. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's... There's like one of those like uh, you know there's a why in the road, what way do we go? Yeah. We like both ways. It's just what are you doing? I my wife was kind. Of, I don't want to say she was adamant, but she was pro staying out in Albany. And for me, I you know I loved growing up in Utica. I loved being around family. Yeah. Hey Jimmy. Hey Tony. You go to the gas station. You can find anyone. You always bump yeah. into someone. And at times it may be annoying, but at when you're away from it for so long, yeah. you kind of. We stepped back and I was like, ah, you know, she has, you know, all of her uncles, all of her aunts, all of her cousins that live here. And, you know, when you grow up, you want to surround your children around people that are progressive thinkers like yourself so that, you know, it's not, they're not a model and mold after me. I don't want that. I want them to be a, a, a... plethora of people that I am right. around so pay attention and learn yeah you know I mean? just like, be around them socialize yeah. it's not like I'm sitting you know you're learning today no yeah. it's not that it's just okay you know Uncle Frank does it this way yeah. well when who knows when you're in the future and yeah. you know it pops in your head and you say wow Uncle Frank did it that way maybe dad does this way I gotta figure out my own way a little mixture of both you know and that to me is what I looked at and I you know I said hey you know at the end of the day us moving back I think would be a great thing for the because I, I both of us mutually want to have several kids so and we have three of them now. <laughs> oh, so man. we've done work. So no, so no sleep for you anymore. No, no, <laughs> a lot of coffee. Thank you by the way. You're very well. Uh, when did the uh, when did you get out of the fire department? What year was that? Two thousand March eleventh or March seventeenth. Sorry, mm. two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Yes. And when did you sort of? When did the first? creep into your head that this was something you might be interested in doing as a career? Well, as a, as a kid, obviously, you yeah. grow up, you know, sure. boy, fire, police, police, yeah, all that good stuff. And then that, that transpires throughout life. And then, um, you know, like I said, I went through college and parents being bankers and, you yeah. know, my cousin being an, alo- or an accountant. You know, I was very, I mingled as going back to the original thing, all the right. different schools that I've been in. I'm, I'm used to mingling and dealing with different people at all times, you know. To me, it's not, you're a jock or you're a nerd or, 
hey, as long as you respect me, I respect yeah. you. Let's enjoy life. So when it comes up to the job, you know, obviously I from a little kid, but more so, you know, my, my father-in-law, he was a fireman. He, 32 years, yeah. retired UFD. My brother-in-law, mm. fireman at Utica, you know what I mean? All great people, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and after, you know... Further, obviously, you marry, <laughs> you yeah. move back, and then you immerse yourself into this this family, which is an awesome family. I thank God every day that I was I'm, I'm able to be a part of it. But you know, you immerse yourself in the family, and you start seeing certain th- aspects, and you're like, wow, that's something that I covet, that I like, mm-hmm. that I enjoy in life. Yeah. You know, and then my father in law said, you know, you're a healthy young man. You know, what I mean, you seem to have a head on your shoulders, and What's the worst that can happen if you try the test, you know? Exactly. Took the test and time transpired. Then they, uh, you know, they call you in for, you know, your preliminaries and stuff like that. And I've always had a thing with heights, but... (laughs) That was the one I was I climbed up 105 feet and I got to the top. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. (laughs) I guess I never really had a thing with heights. (laughs) And then, you know, there's some other, you know, physical fitness tests, which obviously, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm... You've always been I'm pretty honest, but yeah, yeah you've been a pretty like you've always cared enough about that kind of thing about yeah. being in shape and being that's, like you know healthy. That's the huge. Yeah. That's a huge thing, you know. And with that being said, you know, I got on and time has transpired, and it's one of those, you know, I thank God every single day that I get to wake up and love the job that I do because. Our, 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 it's not a cubicle that I walk into. It's yeah. not a office or a shop. It's the city of Utica. You know what I mean? It's a job and, that feels like you give back something tangible. Like oh, sometimes, yes. sometimes you know, I used to work in like insurance, right? Yeah. And you like wonder, you're like, what am I giving back to people? Like, did mm-hmm. people feel? Some people do. They get that life insurance benefit, and it means something to them. But some yeah. people, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing to help this person. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with with something like those civil service jobs, like cops mm-hmm. and firemen, and even to a certain extent, like. Mailman post office. Yeah, like, you are offering tangible mm. benefits to a person's mm. life in a, in a way that really affects them, and that must, it, you know, to a certain extent, help you get through the hard times if it gets tough. Well, right? yeah. I mean, I mean, again, there's two sides to everything, you course. know. But at the end of the day, as a reason why I got in there is is that camaraderie, you know. Mm. Again, you know, it's like yeah, football or baseball. <laughs> you put a jersey on. You put your gear on, you know what I mean? There's a lot of similar, a helmet, football helmet, you know, oh, yeah. you, you put your fire department helmet, and you go in to battle. That's it. When we're in there, mm. we're all coming out. Yeah. That's the idea. No matter, no matter who on. you yeah. are, no matter how much I may have hated you two seconds before, yeah. we're going in, it's all off. We're going, you know, we're kicking ass and taking it. Well, because it's about something bigger than you guys. Well, that's like, it. Put yeah. that, you know, you got to put that, like, those petty things aside to get the that's goal, it. right? And that's, again, life lessons with sports, life lessons with work. It all translates. This is true. It's a whole big circle. Now, I got to ask you, since we've already gone 26 minutes, I haven't even asked you about the reason we were going to come here in the first place, which is El Jefe's Tacos and more. So you're on the fire department since 2011. Yeah. When did the first sort of inklings of the food truck idea sort of creep up into your brain? To be honest with you, it's always been a lifelong journey. I've worked at Indian restaurants, mm-hmm. pizzerias, Cal's own place. I've worked at a ton of different you know places growing up, college and all that stuff like that. And um, as I got in the fire department, you know, I started figuring. I, I, I ended up making a bind or a folder in my filing cabinet, yeah. and I. The name that I had was Carnivore's Corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, no, right. that's pretty good. In my mind, yeah, yeah. that's what I always... I that's like panded, it. by the way. But that was my big thing. And yeah. so I started the process of, you know, okay, what do you need for it? 
mm-hmm. all the different permits. And I just kept on adding, little by little, adding yeah. stuff in there. And then, you know, 2016 rolled around, and one of the my fellow firemen that I got on the job with, Bill Balsamico, mm-hmm. he kind of, hey, Jay, uh, you, you might want to look at this, you know? And I said, okay, you know? And I called my wife, and I told her beforehand, I like to, you know, stir the pot a little bit, uh, I just bought a food truck, honey. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, you didn't. You wouldn't do something like that. I know you wouldn't do something like that. I go, what do you want me to tell you? I, I, I you know, I saw a, a chance for us, you know what I mean? Well, I thought, we're, you know, we're going to go get a two-family house and this and that. And I go, oh, what do you want me to do? I, I already bought it, you know? Well... And then she calms down, and I tell her, I go, no, I didn't really buy it. It's a good move, actually. I liked it. You got to, you know, pump fake, and that's it. Get them really worked up, and then see where they stand so you know where you're at. And then then you could tread a little, you know, in, the, in a better direction. But at that point, you know, we went and checked it out, and, you know, it was actually turnkey ready, you know, nice. to, to, to operate. And, um, you know, obviously business communications – Left college, yeah. never really applied it, I should say. I mean, obviously, I've done stuff in my own personal life, but... I'm a history major. It took me a couple of years to start working in the history field again. <laughs> yeah. It's the way it works, man. It just it goes that way sometimes. That's exactly it. But, um, but yeah, so I we went down. We, you know, checked it out. I brought, you know, Cousin Frank over. Yeah. Cousin Frank looked at the vehicle. He's the man when it comes to vehicles. <laughs> and uh, he told me, yeah, you're looking, you know, it looks, you know, it's not a brand new <laughs> vehicle, but... It's not dying on you anytime yeah, soon, so sure. we ended up driving it home, and you know I was all giddy and excited, <laughs> like a little kid, and that pretty much that was it. You know, I had to get the permits and mm-hmm. go through that process, but you know, uh, I'm not going to go through the entire website, uh, yeah. but for people who want to check it out, it's lhfacetacosandmore.com, uh, or you can go to Facebook. He has a pretty heavy Facebook presence. It looks like That's on there as well. Uh, I did go to the website, and it's uh, it's you and your wife, Jennifer, and then uh, it looks like my good buddy, Mark, is on there. Got it, my friend, <laughs> the culinary talent. <laughs> where uh, where did you sort of come up with the ideas for, like, recipes and stuff? Are you taking, like, old school stuff you knew from when you were a kid? Are you coming up with, like... It's kind of hard, to be honest with yeah. you, because I, I don't know how to say it. I guess everyone has a different palate, first sure. of all. You know of what I mean? Every area has a different palate. Yes, that's so a great that's point. that's huge, you know what I mean? <laughs> And, you know, I can think of what I cook and what I eat I like, but does everyone else like it, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, you know, you have to start exploring in that manner, thinking that, you know, you obviously if you cook something that's awesome, it's going to be awesome, mm-hmm. you know? But is it going to be awesome for other people, you know what I mean? And then, you know, flavors-wise, you know, I love garlic. To me, you can crush up a <laughs> yeah, pounds oh, of it, sure. put oh, it yeah. in everything, yeah, I'm... <laughs> and I'll kill vampires all day long, yeah. you know? But... At that yes. same point, you know, I can't, you know, does everyone else like garlic as I do? No, they don't. So, right. Uh, so, I mean, with that being said, it started with just, you know, a mixture of, you know, my wife, my brother-in-law, and then uh, Mark, where, yeah. you know, we kind of sat there and we'd cook up a batch, you know, it's the test kitchen, as Mark likes yeah. to call it. <laughs> He'll always tell me, I got the test kitchen brewing. <laughs> you got to come over. And I'm like, all right, buddy. And we'll shoot over. And, you know, it's mixing and matching. Then, obviously, once you figure out a flavor, you got to crunch the numbers, you know. Mm. What's going to work, you know what I mean? Where, right. where are we going to be at? You know, obviously, not to say I'm in to make money, but it is a business. Well, and, you, know, you don't want to not make money. Exactly, <laughs> you know. Right. So, you know, you got to couple all that around. Portion size, you know, an appropriate dollar amount, you know. and I always assume part of it, too, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, mm. was being able to sort of, 
come up with ingredients that you can use in a couple different ways, right? You don't want to have like a bunch oh, of one-use yes. ingredients that you're only going to use for one item because it seems like a waste, right? Well, that's, see, that's the biggest thing starting a food truck. You start, mm. oh, I have this, the blue book, I like to call it, yeah, yeah, yeah. of all these great recipes we can start putting on there. And then you start seeing, you know, you know a certain beef dish. That, you know, is not a Spanish flavor, you know what I mean? Yeah, then yeah, yeah. this other dish that's got an Irish kind of accent to it, you oh. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you start pulling out all of these dishes that you've made throughout the years that have been very well received. And then you're like, ah, you know, your brain starts shooting in so many different directions. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. Let's calm it down. Let's get back to what is our truck? It is yeah. a Mexican fusion truck. You know what I mean? That's how it came lettered. You know, then you start doing the research. There's not really much Mexican fusion trucks out no, right. here. For sure. So why am I going to relabel my truck and, you know, sell pizza and wings? Like, there's a thousand of them out there. Right. right. I think, and that becomes the other sort of question, too, is, like, how can I find something that is Your niche. Yeah. Your niche, right? There's got to yeah. be some angle to it, which is something I talked about with uh, with Nick and Ron when they were on here yeah. as well. That's huge, that, that niche thing, because... You know, going back to, again, the palette of people up here, you know, can I go uh, nose to tail on a on a cow? Yeah, yeah. Like I'd like to, yeah. like traditional, you know, Mexican sure. food would yeah, be, use you know, tongue, yeah. uh, the tail, <laughs> this, yeah. that, you know what I mean? If I put that on the menu right now, what do you, I mean, there would be people that would be highly receptive to it, but that amount yeah. of people yeah, <laughs> would your, not be yeah. sustainable, you know what I mean? Exactly. Because that's ideally, my whole dream was always that, you know I mean? Find, mm-hmm. you know, I we've known how many families up here yeah. that have farms, mm-hmm. get the food processed from here, around here, keep it here, you know what I mean? The money, spending money around here. And um, so... Thinking that that's your big picture, that your your big yeah, idea, yeah. then you have to make your idea functional. And then once you start seeing, okay, what do people want and how can I provide that for them? Right. So you're flexible. Then, right? Yeah. Then you start saying, okay, people, you know, they eat tacos, they eat quesadillas. Those are kid friendly options so that if families do come around, what's the worst? I can eat everything. The kid wants chicken tenders. The kid wants this. So you have to figure out, you know, what can I help them out with? Because I have kids and I know how that feels. And then, you know, your weekly specials, you can start branching out a little bit and kind of testing the waters. Oh, maybe we'll try this dish. Maybe we'll try that dish and seeing how receptive people, you know. Oh, yeah, dude, when are you going to put those like the empanadas? That's a huge thing that my mom has always made. And, you know, which is good and it feels good to use her recipes and stuff like that. And, you know keep her memory going on, you know, and, but those things work very well, but then, you know, it's very labor intensive. <laughs> was there ever a question about doing a brick and mortar or was it always a food truck first as an idea? It's, it's kind of hard. Brick and know? mortar seems like a different kind of animal. You got to like change your mentality for how you set that up. I feel like. Well, I feel like that's a different stage of my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I feel like right now there's a lot of things where I can't be tied down to one location. Exactly. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can't invest all of that time and effort into just one spot. Mm-hmm. Not saying if, hey, if the op- option sure. came around, right. I, I wouldn't mind to jump on it. But for now, I like the flexibility yeah. I have. I like that there's not as much overhead. And I, Exactly. It's a great call, too. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great And point. my responsibilities are, you know, for the 24 by, you know, 10-foot box in the back, those responsibilities are, I can maintain that very well versus a whole structure mm-hmm. you know plumbing heating all this not now it starts yeah, it's a different a, animal you know and now you're I mean? a landowner like, that's yeah. what i mean then it starts changing yeah, into that property and, ownership which I, I would like to experience that but yeah. you know in a different way like a two-family house or something like that i think that yeah, would be yeah. awesome to learn with 
So that as time transpires and, you know, you get up, not to say I'm already thinking about retirement, but you always <laughs> oh, yeah. have to for, forecast. <laughs> and would it, uh, a bar and grill, that's what I would ideally <laughs> like, you know. I mean, something like that, you know, where, you know, I can show up, the, the dream. You know, you show up, you have a general manager, and, you know, he's your go-to guy, and you're the, you know, you're just the guy on the picture on the wall. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, just because I'm very curious about uh, When Nick and Ron... Uh, Nick Briggs and Ron Colangelo of mm-hmm. Holy Smokes and uh, Come Fry With Me, mm-hmm. they came on in episode 149, if you feel like going back to those episodes and listening to them. Uh, they talked a lot about uh, their friendship with you, and I brought you up yeah. a couple times. Uh, how has sort of been that relationship with the Utica Food Truck Association? Like, what, How's the benefit been to you as a business? Has it been really nice working with those dudes? Have they taught you anything? Uh, to, uh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> taught me anything. They taught me everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff. Each of our businesses do different, you know, sure. which is going to happen no matter what. But in the general aspects and general ideas of stuff, as into pointing me in directions, there are a plethora of knowledge, you know what I mean? And not only that, but again, to go back to sports, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're on a team. I'm on Team El Hefe's. You're on, and not, it's, it's actually. Well, because it's kind of an interesting thing because those true. dudes, because those guys, because I was thinking about that, right? Because you guys seem to have a really nice relationship mm-hmm. and there is like a beneficial aspect to working together in a thing, right? But, but there is competition. But it's, of course it is. Like, I used to think about it like when we used to, I used to play in yeah. bands, right? Yeah. I want the show that we're going to play on to yeah. be a great show. Yeah. But there's four bands on there and I still want to be the best band of those four bands. But I want everyone to do well. Yeah, well, yeah, right? exactly. And there's a five middle ground, but like it, it probably was like mm-hmm. crucial to have guys there, at least early on especially, I don't know if oh, they, yeah. yeah, who were willing to like give you advice and not be like, yeah, whatever, figure it out yourself. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's crazy how it worked out. I'm yeah. sure, you know, on 149... when We've Nick talked about all that stuff spoke, before. You yeah. know, about how we first met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his whole, you know, accident and situation like that mm. where, you know, you never really go full circle on a lot of these yeah. things. A lot of times, you know, everyone always sees me at their worst moment. Yeah. You don't really have moments to sit down and say, hey, you know what I mean? Like, it's I, I can reciprocate. And it's kind of weird for me where you're like... Uh, I don't know. Like, this feels weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, being a social person I am in the different environments that I've worked in, you know, you can kind of, you know, from initially meeting both those guys, you know, know they're good people. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? They're, 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 they're great. You know what I mean? Just great people, you know, and that, you don't meet great people a lot. You know what I mean? Especially not to seem doom and gloom, but in this time period, I feel like a lot of people are very into themselves. Yeah. Which I'm not saying no, not to true. be, but it's no, just no. me, 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 me. I want to f- see something for me, you know. And they're very, they're they're very good at working for themselves. But at the same point, if they have a chance to help yeah. out, they're willing to. And it's not like, well, I helped you out two weeks ago. Are you gonna come over here and help me out? You know what I mean? It's no. It's like, hey, you know, what I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to see you bang your head the same way I banged my head, you know. Yeah. So if I can throw you some information that'll help you out, that's it. I'm not telling you to do it my way, but this is the experience that I had. This is how I handle it. Now you're better equipped a little bit more, you know? So, uh, Website is eljefetacosandmore.com. You can go to Facebook, El Jefe Tacos and More. Uh, Tank, besides that, where else? Are you on all the other social media platforms and stuff, too? To be honest with you, I've been slacking a little bit. That's tough. It's it, one of the worst parts of doing anything. It's hard, yeah. It's it's, stuff, it's a full, I'm not going to lie, it's a full-time job. Doing the per, the advertising slash promoting I do on there for the Food Truck Association mm-hmm. and for my own private business, that's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's why the hugest thing ever is the team that you build around you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, everybody has their idea. You know, everybody has their... Um, 
I can do this. Yeah. I have a great idea. Let's run with it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't surround yourselves by key players like, you know, my wife, mm-hmm. you know, Mano. Handsome um, Mark. Look at him. He looks great in this I picture. Know. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good wedding he was at. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to share this with people because I love this mm-hmm. slogan you guys have here. This never quit, never surrender, never quit doing what you love, and never surrender to a lack of imagination. We talked a little bit about that earlier. I'm glad we could tie it back around here. This is end. true. really yeah. enjoyed that. That's huge. You know, you look at that, uh, cheesy to say, but 300, the movie, you know what I mean? A man had an idea, and a man inspired other men to have this same idea and willingness to go in there and and not know what the outcome was, or possibly know what the outcome is and know that it wasn't going to be favorable to them. Well, you watch that movie, and obviously every, you know, man, oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, you, know, <laughs> you get all that, you know, oh, yeah, we're doing man. it, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I've applied that to my life, you know, because it's been something even in sports or, you know, whatever, and having kids or, you know, in the fire department. I am not going to quit. There's not an option for me to fail. You know what I mean? There is always a way of figuring something out. Not saying, you know, and my daughter always asked me, because I tell her the slogan, never yeah. quit, never surrender. And then, you know, like the other day, she was trying to ride her bike, and I can't quit, Dad. And I go, well, it's not quitting. You gave it your best. Mm-hmm. You tried your best. Let's take a pause. Let's come mm-hmm. at it from a different angle. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's let's see, maybe we're, you know, focused on one aspect yeah. of this, and we're not seeing the big picture, you know, so. What are my concerns about this current, like, generation, and I hate mm-hmm. to be old man shaking my fist at the cloud, but when you work in education, mm-hmm. you see it. Yeah. I think I've talked about it a lot recently. It's been in my mind. A lot of the things that are important to me, mm. playing music, uh, doing the podcast, mm. uh, like relationships with people in real life, working relationships, these are all things that take time and practice, and you will fail at them a lot. Mm. And we live in a sort of a generation where if people fail at things, they just like, I'm not going to do this ever. I'm only going to do the things I'm good at, and I'm not going to fail through something until I get better. And mm. I think that certain things you have to fail at. Mm-hmm. before you get better there's not there's certain things you're just not going to be good at and I always come back to like playing guitar like you're not going to pick up a guitar mm-hmm. and be good right off the bat you no. will stink yeah. Yeah. for a long time before yeah. it makes sense well that's yeah, I mean as you just as you said I mean again like you said not to be the old man not to be on the yeah, other, yeah. other side of it but but we're getting you know there, at the end of, yeah we're getting there brother at the end of the day you know <laughs> the biggest thing that I like to project and have my kids understand is that that motto I mean it can be taken as an extreme mm-hmm. way of thinking, For but sure. at the end of the day, I'm not meaning it as an extreme way of thinking. Oh, I'm just saying, hey, there are, like you just mentioned, obstacles that you're going to come across in life, and you're going to fail a million, billion, oh, yeah. gazillion times. And it's every time, it's not a failure that you're a failure, it's an experience. Failure is generally the precursor to something, right? It's not, Mm. everyone fails. The problem is what happens when you fail if that means that you just, like, lean into the failure and be like, I said, I'm a failure. Mm. Or you're like, what do I, how do I recover from this? Because the more important portion of the failure. Mm -hmm. That's the learning aspect. What did I learn from what what I I did and how can I, because that's what, uh, the biggest thing I can tell you, 100%, I don't regret anything I've ever done in my life. Smart. And there's some crazy things I've done. I'm with you But you learn and you, 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 you have to attack life like that, mm. no matter what. You've always, anything that you do, you can't sit there and say that I regret doing it. Because right. the only thing that you can regret is not learning from what you went through. Mm-hmm. Because if you went through something horrible or you went through a great moment, a love of your life, or you know a, a breakup that you can never repair from, yeah. whatever you think at that time, you know, these are things that you go through and they 
the, the, you know, they're a foundation of building blocks that you're assembling. So now think of building a house and building that foundation. If all of a sudden you, oh, okay, I wasn't good at that and I failed, that block is never going to be in that foundation. So now you're building up an adulthood, a career on a foundation that's not sturdy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that has, ah, I didn't do that. And obviously, you know, again, I am not a marathon runner. <laughs> I am not going to set myself yeah. up for failure to run a marathon knowing that I have not trained. Mm-hmm. Am I long, lanky, the body type that's been built to run for miles? No, I am short and stocky. Yeah. I don't run away and I, <laughs> I got to stand my ground, you know, kind of thing. So with that being said, you know, as a generation moving forward, I think, you know, as it is our responsibility, like of our parents and our parents before that, mm-hmm. to say, hey, we have to make a stand. You know, I'm not going to hand my kids their my iPhone on a 24-hour drive to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> I am going to hear, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Mm-hmm. Dad, what's this? Let's play games. Because yeah. you know what? That forms a bond. That forms, mm-hmm. these are key crucial points in that oh, building yeah. block of a child or even you in your life as an adult. You know, well, I like think, I do think we haven't yet gotten to the point with technology where the backlash is coming. There's going to be a backlash. Oh, yes. like, we just Agreed. haven't, as a society, decided that the time has come yet. Yeah. But it's coming. We're still yeah. relatively new into the technology cycle. Mm-hmm. Tank, well, I've, I've brought you here for a very long time. It's hey. been much longer than I expected. Do you want to do a couple lightning round questions? Sure. Before we get out of here today? Yeah. Uh, just because, uh, I know, I feel bad I made you come in last minute and do this. Don't worry, my friend. I'll answer right. to the best of my ability. All right, so lightning round questions. These are the uh, same six or so questions we ask everybody who's been on the show uh, up to this point in time. So, Jason Tank Ramirez, the man behind El Jefe Tacos and more. Uh, let's start with an easy one. When you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. how do you take your coffee? Black. Black. Did you always take your coffee black, or did you have to work your way up through the years to get there? I never liked coffee growing up. Never liked your Yeah. The fire department, you love coffee. That smell say- in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, like 90% of coffee's appeal is the smell. Like, I put yeah. it in the percolator, I'm like, smells good it wakes you right even if you're asleep or not asleep or sorry even if you've been up all night and you smell that you're like okay it it feels like home a warm fireplace in a cold night it's just one of those yeah okay i'm comfortable all my high school kids they laugh at me because i drink coffee like give them like 10 years all of a sudden you're gonna be just like me uh what was your first automobile first automobile was a honda accord just like 2000 and Two, I think. 2002. Yeah, yeah. Was it a street racer style? Of no, no, it was my mom's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mom said, hey, I'm tired of driving to places. Now you can start driving to me and take responsibility for this vehicle. <laughs> my dad said that to me too. Now you can be my designated driver. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you may or may not have taken your O2 Accord to see, but what was your first live music event? Wow. That's going to be hard. Well, not hard. That's going to be very easy. Because I really had a skewed way growing up. My father played records, vinyl mm-hmm. records. Sure. My father's huge in music. I mean, came from an era of dance. I mean, he lived in New York City. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I couldn't believe the stories that I heard. I put it that way. That makes sense. A very, you know, theatrical, <laughs> yeah. great, you know, stories and stuff like that, which have always inspired me. But um, he kind of informed me, you know, like growing up, ah, no, you know, some of these places you go to, it's not worth your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because he's got, he saw live music, you know, he's mm-hmm. done all that stuff like that. And then I kind of had a skewed view on it. And then my wife, which actually, I want to say in 2009, mm. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. not even that long ago, she um, she took me to a Metallica concert oh. in um, Boston. Nice. 
And dude, I was hooked. <laughs> Flame from the stage. <laughs> you feel the music. <laughs> there is it's something too that you know, I grew up playing music and playing yeah. in bands and do that stuff. And there is just that. It's a feeling you can't get where you're standing in front of the band and you can that sound is just coming at you, that yeah. wave of sound, and you really feel the vibrations and you feel like you're part of it in a way that like being in your car doesn't yeah. doesn't the give you the aura, the yeah. wave of people moving <laughs> yeah. and jiving, and you're like and you're, it's collective. Yes, you're all, together, you're all exactly. It's like, wow, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so right along the same lines, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Book, movie. Uh, album or television show you were currently book watching. would be the art of war which I always have in my book That's bag. A good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, when you get down and out, there's always a quote that you can learn from, <laughs> or help steer you and make you think positive. <laughs> my problem is it always makes you think of The Sopranos now because yeah. Tony always talks about it yeah. and he can't pronounce any of the names right. Hey, Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu. Yeah. <laughs> he cracks me up every time. So for a movie, um, a book movie, movie... You only have to give me one book. Oh, is yeah, you can give me one of all if you'd like. <laughs> a movie, well, a show that I'm watching sure. is Texas Rising right now. And it's, Texas Rising. Yeah, they have that. It's about um, Texas was a free down. state. Oh, okay. Is and it, it was a, no longer part of Mexico or the U.S. <laughs> is it a documentary or is it a show? No, it's more of a show. Huh. They have a lot of good you know, actors. Mm. Bill Paxton's in it. Oh, nice. I mean? Okay. And it's a very good show, but... Uh, not to say I'm speaking for them, but, yeah, 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 sure, sure. but you know, it's just, it's, not paying it's, yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's one of those where, you know, there are these people that just want to do good and well, want to do good in a pot and they're being projected in a positive way, obviously, because yeah. you can stand as the Mexican standpoint or you can stand as the American standpoint right, right. or you can stand as the free individuals that are just looking to create something amazing and awesome. And that's what I take it for. So <laughs> there's that one, but. And I, it's a tough one. It's a tough question. I should have given it to you earlier so you could have thought about it. If you could have dinner with mm. any person, living or dead, who is not your family, who would it be and why? Meatloaf. Meatloaf? Yes. Really? I got it. the weird thing weird. about Meatloaf. <laughs> I that, don't know what it is. Is that also relatively new? But Did you get into no, Meatloaf? No, like, dude, it's always <laughs> been like, I would do everything, anything for love. That song, once I, ever, once I heard it a long, long, long time ago, it just sank into me and I've always looked up every document or anything about the guy and... One of the first behind the music. So if you're yeah. from a certain era, you remember VH1 behind the music, yeah. and that was one of the first ones I remember watching. Like, wow, this is a crazy story. He's just <laughs> just the you know the way he's able to project his yeah. his his everything. Just you know, you you look at it and say, ah, oh, he doesn't look like a singer. Ah, mm. uh, you know, he can't do this, or you know, is he just gonna be a rock guy? Or yeah. and then all of a sudden he starts. They, I listened the other day. They had him do the the national anthem. I forgot for what ball game it was. This is, you know, years yeah, yeah, back yeah. or whatever. But he sang it, and it's just like, wow. You know, like, I felt that's everything that. that you said, you know. Like, that's that deep. It's like musical theater. Right? Yes. It's a special kind of that's thing. That's exactly, you know, just, oh, he gets into your bones, and you feel like, yes, yes, preach to me, you know. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, Tank, again, I want to thank you for coming in and doing this. Last but not least, besides meatloaf, obviously, besides uh, sports, besides uh, cuisine besides your family besides community give me one more thing that you Jason Ramirez are passionate about hmm I'm passionate about being in nature to be honest yeah yeah <laughs> you got camps and stuff you go out camping we have a camp up in nice. Forest Port and nice. uh, I mean it's not some people's camps or second houses this oh is, yeah <laughs> no I'm not into that this is like a wood stove you know yeah, yeah. kind of a hunter's kind of camp I you dig know. it man but it's been a huge thing of me making sure that my kids are out there. They know how to start a fire. They know how yeah. simple things like that are, 
You know, and again, not saying the adverse aspect of having them play games and stuff like that, video games, stuff like that. That's something to be learned and they can acquire at some point. But, you know, as a foundation, hey, you know, I mean, be into nature. Uh, it's it's healthy. Go outside and breathe. Pick up a stick. Throw a rock. Dig in. We have this actually huge sand pile that they brought in because we're, you know, living on an area. And that's their sand pile. I can't even move it because, <laughs> Dad, you can't touch the sand pile. But, you know, it teaches... We get on location to our camp. What do we do? Ah, Dad, I want to play. What do you want to play? Hey, what do we do when we get there? Yeah. We have to set up shop. Is the light going down? Whatever's happening. Yeah, yeah. Get wood for the fire. Make sure that we have food. Make sure everything is set up so that when it is time and nighttime comes, we can just hang out and do nothing. You know what I mean? Or play after that, you know? But it, it gets that foundation of, hey, before we play, we got to actually, you know, Take work. This. Take this from an educator who has no children to speak of. Mm-hmm. So my opinion is whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're doing a good job. I thank you very much. I was broader today. My head one. <laughs> had a lot of toys floating around in here from. Oh, uh, she'll talk your ear off. <laughs> uh, Tank again. Are you going to be at uh, Parkway tomorrow? Picnic in the park tomorrow. Very it's going nice. to be our remembrance event. Yeah. It's going to be kind of like the uh, touch the truck event where nice. we had uh, rigs from UFD, UPD, nice. DPW. And the big thing is the Veterans Outreach is going to be there. Nice. So non-perishable goods. Awesome. Or if you want to make a monetary donation, they will mm-hmm. be there and they will explain what services they provide. If you listen to this on Tuesday early enough, stop down, check it out at the Parkway. Uh, also, again, Touch the Truck, you mentioned it, Saturday, October 6th. You guys are there pretty much every Tuesday, aren't you, at this you point in time? Uh, well, this will be our last one. For, yeah, this is the last yeah, one? This is the last one for the 2018 season. And then Touch the Truck is October 6th? Yep, that's okay. a Saturday. If Saturday, not October 6th. Yes, very yeah, yeah. nice. So... Uh, hey, thank you so much for everything, brother. I so appreciate you coming in. <laughs> uh, we'll be back to the show, folks, in just a moment. Nice to see my good pal Jason Ramirez. He was a great baseball player. We talked a little bit about that in the interview. He I remember to, that. I remember from being in school when we were younger. And I didn't get a chance to tell this story during the interview, but um, you know, I was a bad baseball player. I was just not good. But I was a clubhouse guy, team guy, right? Glue guy, glue guy. <laughs> I'm like intangible, intangibles. And I was good at like cheering on my buddies from the uh, bench, right? The uh-huh. And a clubhouse leader, clubhouse leader, yeah. So Tank was a Tank was a was a pitcher for our Ed Hingo team, the Mets. Mm-hmm. We were on the Mets. And uh, he's a good pitcher. And I used to call him El Camino. Like, come on there, El Camino! Sing that ball in there, baby! You know? And his dad was like the assistant coach in his team. His dad thought this was the funniest thing. <laughs> he thought it was the funniest name that he'd ever seen in his life, right? And he's asking me, he's like, why do you call him El Camino? I'm like, well, because he's real serious right now. But after the game's over, he'll be having a party. And like, he's like, he's a, there's a car in the front and the truck in the back. He's like, party's El Camino, right? And for a long time, that was the nickname I tried to get over on him. Unfortunately, he has one of the great nicknames of all time, which is just Tank. Yeah, it's hard to hard yeah. to stunt on a nickname Tank like Tank. Yeah. I do like El Camino. I didn't know his first name for like the first five or six years that I knew him in like middle school and high Tank school. Ramirez, he came yeah. to Notre Dame. He was there for a while. And I just knew him as Tank. I didn't call him El Jefe at all. I guess I should have called him. I, I don't know if that's his name or just the name of the truck. I don't know if he's <laughs> I don't know El Jefe. If, is you he El Jefe? 
All right, guys. Uh, it feels like a proper show again because history lessons are back. Oh, printed, wow. Printed history lessons. They are. They're not highlighted. So they're not highlighted. They're reading the whole page. Yeah. No, that's no, what no, they mean. No. Here, we need a highlighter real quick. Um, <laughs> what? Just let Heather start highlighting the history yeah. lessons. <laughs> uh, so, and I just want to get this out of the way. We're doing this on Monday, September 10th. Tomorrow, when most people hear this, it will be Tuesday, September 11th, 2018. It is the 17th anniversary of hmm. September 11th. I sort of snuck up on me, actually. I just did right now for me. Which, yeah. right like, low-key as it should. Yeah. Yeah, no, for I, sure. I and like, I I, yeah. I mean, it's a great point. No, no, because you're totally right, because that was actually what I was going to get to. When I lived in New York, right, and I was living in Brooklyn, and I was in Manhattan all the time, the Freedom Towers right there, you saw it, you thought about it a lot more, because yeah, you're, like, yeah. looking at the tower, you think yeah. about it, that kind of thing. Once I've been up here, I use it in discussion a lot when I'm talking about history with the kids, mm-hmm. especially when I talk about the idea that there's these moments in history where massive shifts in perception happen, right? And then mm-hmm. 9-11 yeah, was yeah. one of these moments. Like, something happened, and afterwards, the world was a little different. We felt a little less safe in our own homes mm-hmm. than we did the yeah. day before, right? Yeah. But I also do not think about this as an event, like a, a traumatic event in any real context other than that, like, in my regular life. I mm. sort of move past it or forget about it. It's kind of like anywhere yeah. when you lose somebody, you you don't get over it. Yeah. You just figure out how to live with it. Well, it's become in sort of the part of American yeah. history, like Pearl Harbor. I don't think about Pearl Harbor every day, but it's yeah. a thing that happened. And when it comes up, you think about it, right? And that's sort of what it's become, I guess, 17 years later for me. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, it, I think it has to. I think to I think to say it's anything else, I mean, unless you have some tie, like, you know, I don't, I don't have any direct tie to it, you know what I mean, any direct effect to it, so you can't expect it to linger with somebody for too long. You know, it's healthy, like, that people sort of move on and heal and go and do everything, and you're not disregarding the dead by, you know, thinking of them less as the years go on, just as it wouldn't be when you lose somebody in your personal life, a family member or a friend, just, you know, time, time goes on, that's yeah. all. Yeah, it's true. So that, if you have anyone out there, uh, you know, think about them. Uh, that's it. Move on. Remember the remember what happened? Use it when you think about history and the future and all that kind of stuff. Remember the past, because that's what fixes the future. I don't know. I don't know what else. What do you need? Let's move on. Further down the plank, knowing it will end. The 18, ocean is ahead. <laughs> 1897 is oh, where th- we're going back. So we were talking so much, I forgot it was history yeah. lessons. Uh, on this day, back to 9/11. I know. <laughs> 1897, on this day, Londoner George Smith gets caught drunk driving, becomes the first person to ever get fined and arrested for drunk driving. He pled guilty and was fined 25 shillings. Uh, at this point in time, though, they, they basically just arrested him because he seemed drunk, right? They couldn't really prove it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 1931 that a toxicologist at Indiana University named Rolla Harger came up with a device called the Drunkometer, which was, uh, it was a balloon attached to a tube filled with purple liquid, and you had to blow into it, and then, uh, they would use that somehow to determine how much alcohol was in your breath. It would change the color of the liquid from purple to yellow, it was very uh, clumsy yeah, and rickshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was effective but cumbersome. Could you imagine that now? Uh, well, now, I guess, uh, I, now they just give you that thing where you I blow know. into. Um, in to- 2007, which is the last time they put dates on this, more than 1.4 million drivers were arrested while uh, for driving while intoxicated, and the Center for Disease Control survey found that Americans drove drunk 159 million times a year. 
Uh, I don't mean this comically. Like I know a lot of people who casually drive drunk, mm-hmm. and it, like, and they don't realize they're driving drunk because they don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But they all think they can drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's insane how many people I know casually drive mm-hmm. drunk. And I don't even mean just like people like my friends. I mean acquaintances mm-hmm. in general. Now in the age of Uber, I was telling people call Uber. Yeah, it's just so easy you now. You know what I mean? Day. Yeah, it's, nothing's going to happen. Mm. People are always like, can I park my car? And nobody's going to do anything. Yeah. Leave the car. No one cares. Have you ever had to blow into a breathalyzer? No. I've blown, I've blown the breathalyzer before. No. I didn't blow it over. I didn't I didn't get in trouble. Yeah. Mm. But uh, it's a weird moment when they ask yeah. you to do it. It's very mm-hmm. strange. Because you're nervous. It's like anything else. You yeah. always convince yourself, like, what if what if I smelled alcohol beforehand and it's on my breath and it registers on the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know any better. Uh, but yeah, that's always a weird moment if you ever had to do that. So there you go. First... Uh, First guy drunk driving, 1897. On this day, 1984, first episode of the daily syndicated version of Jeopardy with Alex Trebek airs on television. It had actually aired before that in the 1960s with a different host. Uh, I can't find his name on here, but yeah, it was a different guy. Uh, Alex Trebek didn't come in until 1984 when the show went into syndication. Uh, This version of the program was met with great success, and it outlived 300 other game shows to become the second most most popular game show in syndication behind... Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune, that's right. Got it. Averaging 25 million viewers per week. Uh, The show actually was renewed in 2017. It runs through 2020. Mm. Uh, Trebek has made claims that he might retire at the end. He's got to at some point. How old is he? Go home and count some money. He's got to be getting up there. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jeopardy? You like Jeopardy? If it's on, I'll watch it? it. Yeah, I like Jeopardy. It's a good, easy watch. I like Jeopardy. I, it's some, interesting. I low-key... learn stuff on Jeopardy. I low-key think I'm good at Jeopardy, just like everybody does. Um, but again, it's something else to stand up there in front of the cameras and do it. I feel like all, you... It's all... It's luck of the draw in the sense that it all depends on the categories. Yeah. Some categories I would feel confident ripping through mm-hmm. as many yeah. lines as you want to give me. For sure. Other times when it's like, you know, 17th century like Peruvian basket <laughs> weaving, I'm just like, well... <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> um, so there have been a couple different spin-off versions of Jeopardy over the years to varying uh, degrees of success. There was Rock and Roll Jeopardy on VH1. Do you remember that? That was a show. Oh, that was on yeah. Jeopardy. I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, there was a kids version of the show from the 1998-1999 that was just called Jep, J-E-P, Never with heard. an exclamation point. It's a terrible it's a terrible title. Pretty yeah. bad. It's brutal. And then uh, there was a sports-themed version in 2014 on the NBC Sports Network called Sports Jeopardy, hosted mm-hmm. by Dan Patrick. I feel like you probably could do... It's tough when you get to spin-off versions, because how niche can you really go? The whole point of Jeopardy is that there's like, whatever category it could mm-hmm. be. You could get a category of sports on Jeopardy. That's the right. whole point, right? Uh, I would rank Jeopardy above Wheel of Fortune for me. I, find Wheel, I don't really... I don't, I don't understand Wheel of Fortune's... Like, it's fine... It's fine. Uh, I prefer the Wheel of Fortune Answers Twitter page to actually watching <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. It's good, isn't it? It's Hilarious. pretty funny. Uh, all right. Two more quick ones. This one, 1991. Uh, rock band Nirvana re- uh, released their single Smells Like Teen Spirit. And the world was never the same. The world was never the same. Love them or hate them or find them in the middle, as I do. Yeah, somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, this is a quote from Kurt Cobain. I was trying to write the ultimate pop song. I was basically trying to rip off the Pixies, I have to admit it. When I heard the Pixies for the first time, I connected with that band so heavily that it should that I should have been in that band or at least a Pixies cover band. We use their sense of dynamics being soft and quiet and then loud and hard. Uh, the person who came up with the title was credited was Kath, uh, Kathleen Hanna of the band Bikini Kill, who wrote the words, Kurt smells like teen spirit on his wall. 
Kurt didn't know at the time that Teen Spirit was a type of deodorant, so he just thought it was a phrase. He didn't find out until after he had written the song. Uh, and the song, and the band recorded the basic takes in just three tracks, and they used the second take, uh, which producer Butch Vig corrected with timing errors uh, between pedals. Uh, Kurt Cobain only did three takes of vocals for the entire track. Uh, producer Vig said, I was lucky I could ever get Kurt to do four takes anyway. So there you go. Uh, I think this song, I don't really care about this song anymore, but again, I understand how important it is. Uh, there's a really good take in, a, in the Pearl Jam uh, autobiography I read that talks about when this song came on in 1991 in a club, like watching the crowd react to it. It had that sort of visceral effect on people when it came out. It was that mm -hmm. big and that, you know. It's, it's hard to think about it in that way now because it's so far removed. It'll never be the same. Kind of don't care about the song anymore. Like as a song, because we're musicians. I think it's like a you get it, any any song that gets so so large and played so often loses some impact for you if you've been exposed to it. You know what I mean? More than enough times. Like, yeah, I think I think you're spot on with that. And then uh, in 1999, uh, Fight Club, the film based on the novel by Chuck Palahniuk, directed by David Fincher, starring Adam Norton and Brad Pitt, premieres at the Venice Film Festival. I think this is a movie that like, goes up and down in levels of, like, how much people care about it. I think people, like, look back on it fondly at the moment. Do they? I think. I feel like the... How do you look back on it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what the people say. What do you think? It bothers me that the term snowflake comes from this movie. Like, the internet term, like, people using the word snowflake is traced back Are to... Are they crediting that to Fight Club? Yeah. Yeah, Fight, uh, Snowflake is credited to Fight Club. Polonic talked about it on his interview in Rogan a couple weeks ago. Mm. It's like the second time I've talked about Rogan today. Um... Yeah, I think, and for me, because I used a Fight Club quote as my yearbook quote, I kind of, mm. like, bristle a little bit at it. Um, but I do think, I think if you, if you look at it from a film standpoint, I think it's probably David Fincher's, like, second or third best movie behind, mm. like, Zodiac. And I, I, people like Social Network, I've never seen it. So your Social Network was great. Yeah. I never saw that. I oh. thought Gone Girl was really good, wasn't that? I never saw Gone Girl either. You, you haven't seen Gone Girl? No. We must have talked about it. We should watch We've that. Talked about we should that. watch that, like, immediately. I thought oh, it was right excellent. Now. Um, I think that yes. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> uh, I think the novel Fight Club is really good. The problem is it's skewed by the movie, and you can't help but imagine Edward Norton and yeah. Brad Pitt now. Yeah. I I just think that I think the film's aged. Um, I wouldn't say poorly, but it's aged. You it's know what aged. I mean? Like it's yeah. definitely. I it as I get older, it seems a little bit more. I don't know. There's certain things that you like a lot in your youth that as you get older, you just kind of look at differently. You know, what yeah. I mean? things age in culture as you move further yeah. and further away from that time. It's kind of inevitable. You know what I mean? Things sort of fall back into yeah. place. It was very important to me at a certain time in my life. I rolled my eyes at it at a certain point in time in my life. Mm. At this point in time, I think you could put it on like the culturally significant list and just leave it at that. It's like a culturally significant work, whether you're talking mm -hmm. about the novel or the movie, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's that's where you could leave it and feel pretty comfortable, I think, right? <laughs> too, I think we've gone too yeah. deep into this. Social, uh, culturally <laughs> significant. All right, yeah, yeah. You leave it wherever you want to. Oh, uh, all right. So let's move on. Uh, we've got, well, here you go. We're back to history lessons. So there's history lessons for you this week. Uh, a couple other things. This is sort of a heavy one, so I don't want to get too far into it. Do you guys see about Les Moonves, the guy in charge of CBS, stepped oh, down this week? This What's he done now? Sexual misconduct, harassment yeah, allegations. He's been doing that. He was doing yeah. it before, too. Well, now he officially stepped down this week, uh, effective immediately, even though this has been going on, I feel like, for like three months. He's going to go live on an island with all of his money. I'm sure <laughs> justice will come knocking. Uh, I feel like there's so many different levels of this. This has been going on. Uh, it feels like... 
he should have just probably done this when it first happened instead of waiting a couple more months. A lot right? of arrogance from these kind of people. Yeah. Well, they have so much money, they think they can get away with it. Because they have for so long. Yeah. I mean, if you've gotten away with everything for 30 years of your life, yeah. you're going to be arrogant that it's not going to change either. Uh, Moonves was one of the media's highest paid CEOs, so his severage package uh, would have been generous or even gigantic either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cool. Uh, anyhow, uh, the other one that came out this week in the same sort of line was Louis C.K. was back. Did you guys see that this week? I had heard he was trying I heard to he was stand up or something. Okay, so what basically happened was he showed up at like the Comedy Cellar, like unannounced, and did like a set at the Comedy Cellar, which was apparently genuinely relatively well received by the people there. Because again, if you're at the Comedy Cellar on a Thursday night watching comedy, you're a stand up comedy fan. You probably have more tolerance for Louis C.K. to show up than others. I just thought it was sort of weird. I've seen a lot of takes about whether it was too early for him to come back. Like, oh, it hasn't even been a year, blah, blah, blah. Does it have to be? Is there a time frame? I don't think there is a time. No, I think you're right. I don't think there is a time frame. The only thing I'll say is it seems kind of shitty to just show up at a place without warning and perform and not give people the option to watch you that's perform good, or not. That's the, that was the only thing because it I, seemed very I much tone deaf in the way that like, taking your dick out in front of people and just assuming you could, right? It's not the same thing, but it's, again, this idea of, yeah, like, I'm just going to show up and do this on my time. Like, if he, people would have come out to see Louis C.K. do stand-up if he said, I'm going to go do stand-up, right? Yeah, but then, I mean, Maybe not, not to say that that's not incorrect, but had he done that and had he given warning, he would have been equally crucified because at this point it doesn't really matter yeah. who he does because then he would have been crucified for people would have said he made a big deal about it and he went out and made some announcement and went and tried to get people, you know what I mean, to like come out and like get supporters out there and that would be the attack on it. I mean, he's at a point right now where if it was me, I would still be chilling. I wouldn't be trying to come back. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like right. he's got his money isn't like half to work. Like it's still still time to stay away. A little too soon, man. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, and the other one, and then this, someone brought this up to me this week and I thought this was a really great point. Someone's talking about Michael Vick, right? Now, Louis C.K. doesn't have charges pressed against him. He's not a criminal, mm. right? Whereas Michael Vick did something. He did the dog murdering and the dog fighting stuff. And he got sure. pressed with a crime, went to jail, served his time, came back, mm-hmm. right? But because he had charges pressed, there were, like, a thing that he had charges and he served his time and he came back and he's, sort of, and he's like, a revitalized part of society. Like, most people say Vick's a great guy now, right? Yeah. Do you think the fact that, like, these people who are sort of in the middle, who don't have, like, charges pressed against them, but their image is tarnished, like, would it be better for Louis C.K. if something actually happened to him and he served it out and just got past it? I mean... I feel like it would be. It would be, yeah. almost, right? Like, like you're, you're getting punished for a crime, and right now it just seems like, oh, you just got away with everything that you're doing. It would so. be for, for him, specifically, if, like, if you're his publicist and you're his yeah. PR person, then, yeah, it would certainly be better if he had that something going on, but for... For the man himself personally, yeah. his selfish, which he's shown to be, very selfish heart of hearts, is it better? He's not going to, you know what I mean? Right. If somebody has to choose, I can either rehab my public image or I can not go to federal prison for a couple of years, they're not going to choose go to prison or willingly. He yeah. could willingly go to counseling and say I'm working on things or say something like that so they see that there's progress or that he's trying to change. Right, that's a great point too. And that seems to be something that a lot of these people who are getting caught up in this Me Too thing are happening. They're, like, not doing any, like, penance. Like, Michael Vick went to jail. He paid his penance. Like, no one's saying they went to therapy or showing they did it, and they just, they're waiting for people to forget and then sneak back into the sub, like, into the... I don't, I don't know if you can effectively... Because if you're one of these people who's accused, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they shouldn't go get help because they right. certainly should, but I don't know if there's a way that you can do it 
publicly that doesn't make it look disingenuous True. once people already think you're such yeah. a scumbag. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, because if somebody was going to, you know, say it was Louis C.K. or whatever, and if he made a thing where, like, he, because he would have to be in the media, so he's in the news being like, you know, my journey with therapy, and this is what I'm doing, and I've been taking this on, yeah. and I've learned this, and this is how I feel about how I used to be, I mean, then he would be profiting off that narrative, you know what I mean? Mm. Which he probably shouldn't be profiting off this narrative at all, and furthermore, he would be vilified, and probably rightly so, because it would only, you know, he would be making money off so much public appearance. Like I feel like I out. wouldn't think of making the money. I feel like I would want to hear his story, and, and, that, and, 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 and be able to judge him after that, like a yeah, documentary, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's fair. I mean, I think that um, it's just with people, when people do it in the public eye like that, I, I, in some ways it feels like it's still making it about them. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be about them. It should be about mm-hmm. their victims. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going back point. to all the people he did that to in front of them. Yeah, you know, talk <laughs> Saying to, I'm sorry. Go I'm talk to listen. those people. Yeah. See how those people are feeling. Let them go down to comedy <laughs> something and tell people the... what's going on. Uh, just one good uh, piece of viral footage for you folks to clear up the taste of any like uh, Me Too conversation we're having. Footage on a podcast, footage on. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go check this one out. This <laughs> is a good one I saw. Uh, have you guys seen the footage today of the giant red ball that broke free from an art installation in Toledo and was rolling around the city? No. <laughs> no, there's an art installation that had this big giant red ball and like the wind blew it free and it was just rolling around downtown Toledo. Mm. Uh, if you were on Twitter, you saw Maiden Utica say this is definitely going to happen to Handshake City. The wind's going to pick up one of these containers is going to be flying down the street one of these days. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, no, I hope not. They're too heavy. Um, and then I just want to, just a quick social media check-in. I got a couple quick stories that aren't really aligned with anything. Uh, I want to shout out to uh, Libertarian gubernatorial candidate and GFOP of our podcast, Larry former Sharp. Former guest, Larry Sharp. Former guest, Larry Sharp, who uh, had a, was on last week. Uh, on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which is, I would say, one of the three biggest podcasts in America. At least, at least, probably ten, yeah. five, yeah. three, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the longest running, one of the most highly subscribed. Mm-hmm. So we're now one degree of separation away Yay. from Joe Rogan, so we're basically, guys. We're basically at the same Thanks, level Larry. now. We're, we're sharing. Joe Rogan's poaching our guests. <laughs> Joe Rogan is we poaching him on right first. now. He's poaching our guests. He's listening right now. Uh, so, you know, I, I obviously, like, retweeted a bunch of stuff about that this week, so... Good for you, Larry, getting on there. I know that he'd been trying to get on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not yet listened to it, though, and I don't think a lot of people have because two days later on Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, Elon Musk was on, mm-hmm. and then the Elon Musk podcast got all the headlines yeah. because Elon Musk was smoking a blunt on the podcast with Joe Rogan, and then the next day, uh, Tesla stock dropped nine points, yeah. <laughs> which I think is... Like, I, I, I'm sort of enjoying the wild, deranged ride of Elon Musk. It's been an interesting read from the outside. Yeah. Like, I feel like he was, like, a year and a half ago, two years ago, people were like, this guy yeah. is going to save the world. Yeah, now we're like, don't. And we're now like, he's, like, married. I'm like, <laughs> no, sorry, go ahead. He's like a mad scientist. He's not going to save anything. <laughs> well, it's it scary. Was, it was, back then, it was, you know, something that happens where it's like, people liked him a lot, but I think people knew less about him back then. He mm-hmm. was still just the PR image, and as you sit and wait in the culture for longer, you know, and you develop more, and people learn Become more about you, and you take more positions. No, just it's people yeah. learn about you because yeah. people will latch on. They're like, "I heard this Elon Musk guy; he's crazy." And Teslas, those are cool electric cars. I'm into those. <laughs> yeah. Love Elon Musk, and they'll jump on the bandwagon <laughs> yeah. early. Yeah. But then, like, you get yeah. to find out, and you're like, "Oh, this is another person who makes some good decisions, some bad decisions, and interesting." But like, I mean, if anybody thinks that a young-ish billionaire isn't uh, smoking marijuana, I've got news for you. <laughs> That's a great like, point. anybody who's surprised, like, these stockholders are like, oh, my God, this guy smokes weed? It's like, yeah, he's, like, 40 and has a billion dollars. Yeah, he does. 
Well, according to what people were saying on the internet about it, he probably doesn't smoke weed because he did that thing, like, if you see an actor in a movie who, like, smokes a cigarette, but it's clear they don't smoke in real life. They smoke all awkward and stupid looking, like they don't know how to hold the cigarette correctly. It doesn't hold comfortably. Yeah. yeah, that's what they were saying about him on there is that he didn't look very comfortable with it, like it's something, even though he was like, oh, yeah, I definitely toked the Chiba, my friends. Do you know what I mean? I no, I don't. You know what I mean? It's interesting, though, because he wanted to, he wants to take his company private because he's sick of answering the shareholders, but he couldn't get enough capital together to buy the whole thing. All right, yeah. buy up all the stock. But now he went on, he did this crazy thing, and it's dropping. And if he keeps dropping that price mm-hmm. lower and keeps doing crazy things mm-hmm. till he hits his magic number to take See? it private and then buy out all the stockholders, he's won in the long term. And that's what he's trying to do. So I don't know if it's an actual strategy mm-hmm. or a happy accident for him, but it's interesting to see either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last but not least, just before we head out, uh, quick I'm done with this guy. Uh, Twitter this week. I'm, uh, they're done with Alex Jones and InfoWars joining a long list of other people who have kicked uh, Alex Jones and InfoWars off of their platforms. Uh, again, it goes back to the Kaepernick thing. I've seen a lot of people complaining, like, oh, they're silencing him. Like, it's not fair for these media companies to be biased. These are private media companies. They can yeah, if you think that this is a violation of free speech and has anything to do with the First Amendment, uh, fight me on Twitter. You're wrong. You're totally Heavily wrong. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Heavily wrong. I've given it to a couple people this week. You just are. I mean, it's, you just don't. You have a fundamental misunderstanding of the First Amendment. Yeah. I'd be happy to explain the nuances because modern life is very busy and it'd be complicated to remember all the <laughs> things tough. about the First Ten Amendments in the Bill of Rights. Mm. What do I know? I'm just a doctor. <laughs> I'm not actually. I always like that line from Happy Gilmore, though. Yeah, I'm just a doctor. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan or just follow his brother, Big underscore Sull underscore Inc. It's true. It's a uh, much better Twitter follow than I am. Uh, you can also follow the show at Uticast, uh, Uticast.com, MadeInUtica.com for all current and back episodes. Uh, thanks again to Tank Jason Ramirez. Uh, check him out. El Jefe Tacos and More.com, Facebook.com, yeah, El Jefe Mexican Tacos Fusion. and More. Yeah, yeah, Mexican Fusion. All right, that's it. Sayonara, humanoids. Uh, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, we will see you next week when it will probably not be as nice and cool as it is in here right now. It might be 80 again. 85, sweating. 90. Uh, thank God climate change isn't real. I know. Uh, Luckily. Luckily. All right. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.